77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The best information we have from multiple law enforcement sources at this hour is that the, uh, the person of interest, Robert Carr, is not in custody at this time. Card has past military experience. Card is armed, they believe, with an AR-style rifle. There are two shooting locations. There are victims shared with law enforcement. And again, this is fluid. Things continue to change. The best information as of now is 15 to 20 people deceased. Unknown the total number of injured, about 50 is the number law enforcement has been briefed and shared. Card is considered armed and dangerous. He's a person of interest, however, and that's what we'll uh, label him at uh, moving forward until that changes. If people see him, they should not approach Card or make contact with him in any way. In their tallies, that the total number of votes cast is 429, of which the Honorable Mike State of Louisiana has re received 220 votes. And the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 209 votes. Therefore, the Honorable Mike Johnson of the state of Louisiana, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. We also have to remember that Hamas does not represent, let me say it again, Hamas does not represent the vast majority of the Palestinian people. How do you know? Gaza Strip or anywhere else. How do you know? Runs in a three-pointer. Way off, rebound deflected. Tatum dives on it. Quickly comes up with it. Brunson tries again. That won't go and it's over. The Boston Celtics win their opener. And a thriller here at Madison Square Garden.
6.07 on your Thursday morning back on Sid and Friends. Another depressing day here in the United States. It just doesn't stop. Now, Boston, of course, was um, for the very last cut you heard in the open. Justin Ellick is out the next two days. I don't know why. <laughs> Took some stupid family vacation. I don't know. God bless him. He's allowed, but. So he's out of here. He's um, he's up in the Northeast, actually, in the area of the country we're about to talk about momentarily. I think he's in Vermont. But nevertheless, uh, he left um, the very, very capable and talented Rich Rodabelli, whose name I F up every day, and I just don't care. Uh, Rich is, uh, is in charge and put the Open together this morning in, uh, in just instead and did a terrific job. And he ended there talking about Augustana's song, Boston, with Mike Breen, my guy Mike Breen, the Hall of Fame voice now of the New York Knicks and ESPN. He does the NBA Finals every year. They fired ESPN, his two partners. The weird. Really weird. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson both fired. So last night I watched Breen on ESPN with Doris Burke and Doc Rivers. And it's fine. I mean, they're all good. They know their sports and they know their basketball. But it's not. it's never going to be the same. Never. So, uh, Gabriel and I sat down and watched the Knicks play an awful first quarter. They couldn't hit the ocean from the beach. And then in the end, the Knicks made a, uh, a valiant comeback just to lose. Jason Tatum put in 34. The former New York Knickerbocker Porzingis put in 30. And despite 24 apiece from Barrett and Quickly, the Knickerbockers start the 2023 campaign with a 108-104 home loss to the Celtics. The Nets got 36 off the bench from Cam Johnson. That wasn't enough. They lose 114-113 to Cleveland. But, of course, both of those scores, both of those games, really don't mean much. First of all, it's game one of an 82-game regular season. But if it was the NBA Finals, it wouldn't matter. When you look at what's going on in the world today, it is... It is getting increasingly more difficult to wake up and do a show like this. Israel is still a mess. I got to hear people in this city, students in this city, people on the news sympathizing with the Palestinian people. The Biden did it again last night. You know, Hamas, all Palestinians are not Hamas. Shut up. I have no idea how many Palestinians love Hamas and don't. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Sake of repetition. They teach the little kids in the second grade to hate and eventually kill Jews. They are taught that. It's in their textbooks. It's part of their curriculum. All those animals that went into Israel October the 7th. You know what, folks? They were little kids, too. You know, there was a time, believe it or not, when Adolf Hitler was a baby, 
How did that work out? Would have been nice if somebody dropped a bomb on his house in Germany before he wiped out six million of my people. So let's stop with the they're innocent, the women, the children. I have no idea how many of these people are innocent and not. How many handed out candies, which we saw October 7th, civilians danced in the streets, which we saw. And again, pro-Israel rally in New York City, Cooper Union yesterday, and these animals, pro-Hamas, I don't call them pro-Palestinian, sorry, Frank Morano, pro-Hamas, pro-murder, banging on the doors and scared the hell out of these poor Jewish kids and others, pro-Israel. So it's a mess. It's a mess. The ground incursion is waiting because I, I hate to think this is true, but I actually think Netanyahu is listening to Biden, which is really nauseating. And I know the hostages are a big deal. I want every one of those folks to come out alive. Trust me. I'm a dad, too, and a husband. But there's 22 people. We've got about 6,000 people dead, over 1,500 Israelis, innocent Israelis. 22 pales in comparison to the work that Israel needs to do, which is wipe Hamas off the face of the earth and totally cleanse Gaza. I'm sick of it. All you people think you're better than me because you're worried about the women and the babies in Palestine, which, by the way, doesn't even exist, you morons. So what's funny is, as I get to this mass shooter, I was about to say, why is everybody so angry? And I guess you could make the case. <laughs> Shut up, Noam. Now, for the last couple of minutes, I sound angry, and I am angry. But I'm reacting. I'm reacting. I don't have a gun. I have no desire to kill anybody. Not today. I'm just reacting to what's going on in the world today. And, of course, the biggest news story is this mass shooting. I need uh, somebody in here to shut off MSNBC, please. I know Alec usually does it. I don't care. Pull the plug to what you got to do, Rich. Just, just shut the goddamn thing off. We got an animal, some psycho, walking into a bowling alley and killing a bunch of little kids, I think. I'm hoping that's not the case. It was a kid's birthday party. We really have no details on the dead or injured. The dead is somewhere between 15 and 25, injured over 50. But this psycho walked into a bowling alley in a bar and just started shooting with an AR-15. And I come in this morning, and what is MSNBC talking about these animals? How Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, some crazy Republican who, like Donald Trump, was on Donald Trump's side to overthrow the 2020 election. What is Mike Johnson and the Republicans going to do about this gun problem? Already? (laughs) Already, this morning. I mean, rigor mortis hasn't even set in. There may be, I hate to say this, the birthday party at a bowling alley, there may be dead little kids still laying there on the ground, and these animals are talking about guns again and gun control. Again, again, and again. And again, at the risk of repetition, if somebody wants to kill, they're going to kill. They'll get a gun legally. They'll get a gun illegally. That's not the issue here. 
The issue is, how does a guy, how does a guy that was in a mental institution that admitted was hearing voices that threatened to shoot up the whole damn base, how does that guy get to go home? And he's got guns. The guns didn't do it. We already knew this guy was a psycho. We didn't know about that kid in Texas. We didn't know about Adam Lanza, necessarily. We knew this guy was crazy. He threatened to shoot up the pace before, heard voices. That's the that's the question here. Why are these crazy people, some of which we know about, some we don't, but some we know still walking the streets, not what kind of gun he had. So, yes, if I sound angry, it's because I'm tired of stupidity and political bias. People are dying everywhere in our country, around the world. And these dips, these uh, people are worried about nonsense. Make gun laws stricter. So you know what happens then, idiots? The people that are legitimate gun owners with licenses, law-abiding citizens, you make it more difficult for them to get a gun. Oh, but who needs an AR-15? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I kind of wish, and many of you probably agree, that some of these young guys in that kibbutz had an AR-15 by their bed that morning because maybe their sisters wouldn't have been raped, their mothers and fathers wouldn't have been killed while they died too. would have been real nice if those guys had AR-15s by their bed. So that's what you're waking up to this morning. So let's get the uh, the details on this. The latest, I know the guy's name is Robert Card. You know what annoys me too? No one played a cut earlier from some official, some police guy. And uh, during the conversation, when he was talking about the suspect at large, they can't find this guy. He called him Mr. Card. I don't want to hear that. Don't. To me, Mr. is, I don't know, it's it's almost a respectful <laughs> salutation. Of course. <laughs> of course. We're looking for Mr. Card. Go, we're looking for the animal. His name is Card. We're looking for the killer. His name is Card. Mr. Card? You don't have to be so official. I mean, I... seriously. <laughs> come on, man. I heard that, and I got angry. Mr. Card. Hello, Mr. Layton. How are you? <laughs> well, not so great this morning. Yeah. Does that bother you, too, when yeah. they refer to him as Mr. Card? Just as call if him he Robert. deserves any respect? Yeah. He's an animal. And clearly is, you know, if these numbers hold up, and these are always sort of fluid situations, Sid, where they're trying to figure out who's dead. It's a small town, Lewiston, like 39,000 people. So you can imagine the police department is not weird? so big. I've actually been there many times. Really? Yes, because early in my radio career, dating back to 1999, when my partner was Scott Kaplan, who I spent the last 23 years in San Diego. You guys know Scott. So we started doing radio down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And believe it or not, we were syndicated in over 70 markets by both Sports Fan Radio Network and Joel Hollander and Westwood One. And we were on in Maine. We were on in that town, Lewiston. There's a ski resort in Maine called Sugarloaf, where Scott and I did live shows every winter and every summer. We were on in Watertown, Maine. So we actually visited during those couple of years we were on in Maine four or five different cities in that beautiful state. So I've been there, I know it, and it's the last place 
the last place in a million years you would expect something like this to happen. Yeah, and and so the numbers, these will probably change, Sid, as the day goes on. But they're saying 22 dead, 50 injured. This uh, gunman walking into a bar at 7 o'clock last night and then into a bowling alley where we're being told by a local city councilman there there was a kid's party going on. We don't know if the kids are among the dead. That will probably come out in the next couple hours. Right now, all they're concentrating on is finding Robert Card. He's 40 years old, a trained firearms instructor with past uh, mental health issues. He's what they're calling the person of interest. Uh, he had been recently... This person of interest I've seen on television this yeah. morning, the actual footage of him holding an AR-15 inside yeah. the bowling alley. Yeah, so. I would say he's likely the gun. He's the bad guy. Yeah. He's a uh, Army reservist stationed out of Maine, had recently reported, as you said, hearing voices and had threatened to shoot up the base that he was on. Why... He wasn't in hospitalized. We don't know how he got his hands on a gun. We don't know all that up in the air because they're still trying to find him. Uh, they have told people in this town, Lewiston, Maine, to shelter in place as the search goes on. But as of 619 this morning, no signs of Robert Card. I thought the uh, some of the stuff you did this morning, and I have to tell everybody, and I mean this sincerely, I don't make an extra penny, does nothing for me. But the best news show in New York, by a distance, is known five to six every morning. Well, thank you very much. I'm being completely serious. It's great. And you played a lot of audio this morning. I want you to play it here, too. Sure. Uh, but some of the most chilling stuff you played were the actual police calls in that town when the shootings first occurred. Yeah, so chilling. You can imagine, Sid. So first, the calls come into nine one one, and of course, they race out to investigate what's going on. And so, at first, they do not sound frantic. But so here's was one of the first calls that went out when this gunman started firing at this bar. Multiple victims for an active shooter in the town of Lewiston. All available units to Lewiston. Now, a short time later, when they realized this was uh, real and very intense, and uh, lots of people injured and killed. Those calls got a little more frantic. Yeah, so it took them said about four hours, maybe, maybe a little less, till they figured out who this gunman was. Again, small police force, small town. They don't have the resources like the NYPD does. But now they have everybody involved looking for Robert Card. Over 100 cops I heard this morning. Thank you, one. Norm. We'll get back to you all morning long. And, of course, if they find this guy, apprehend this guy, kill this guy, if he's not already dead, we will have all that news for you. So, yes, we, we get a lot of yucks on this show, and we get a lot of lifestyle discussions and sports and all that fun stuff. But when news breaks, nobody does it better than WABC, and nobody does it better than Noam. So make sure you stick with me all morning long until Brian Kilmeade comes your way at 10. Great guest list today, Judge George Grasso, running for DA against Curtis's ex-wife, Melinda Katz in Queens. He's our first guest coming up at 645. The rest of the day, you're going to hear from Curtis Saliva, Pauline Fromer, Judge Napolitano, Frank Morano. Bill O'Reilly, Elizabeth Pipko, and live in studio, William and Christian DeMeo with Peter Gordia as we get set to shoot season number three down in Miami of the hit Amazon Prime show, Graves End. It's a very, very big show today. Plus, I got something in the mail yesterday 
This is unbelievable. Oh, no. A big envelope, and all it said was DJT with a Palm Beach address. If you want to see what I'm talking about before I talk about it, go to my Instagram right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Start following me today, at Rosenberg.Sydney. Facebook, Sid Rosenberg. Twitter, at Sid Rosenberg. Donald Trump reaching out to Sid Rosenberg. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. You betcha. Coming back right after this. WABC. Take me now, baby, here as I am. Pull me close and try and understand. Desire is hunger, is the fire I breathe. Love is a banquet on which we feed. Accident. Trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email. Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The great Natalie Merchant, you know how much I love her, 10,000 Maniacs. And Lou Rufino, my man, tells me that Natalie is celebrating a birthday today. She's closer to my age than Mick Jagger, I can tell you that. <laughs> how old is... You forgot what Not I told only. you, right? You, can you guess? No. 60? 60, yes. Still kind of old now, I mean. <laughs> for dancing all over the stage, I told you. I forgot what summer it was, but 
I remember my friend uh, Rich Schiffman, Rich and Jen Schiffman. They live in uh, Tenafly, New Jersey. And uh, their parents own a home in upstate New York where my mom lives. So we grew up together, you know. Milty and Addie Schiffman. And Rich loved 10,000 Maniacs. And I remember he, he performed at the Beacon Theater. Lovely place. And he put together the, the whole group of upstate people, my quote-unquote upstate friends, you know, Bob Martin and Jill Werber and Gail Schwartz and Dave Hoffman and Alice Siegel and all of us, you know, and Renna. And uh, we went to see the 10,000 Maniacs at the Beacon Theater. And one of the greatest things that could ever happen happened that night. You're not going to believe this, but. Well, I know already. I know you know. <laughs> so Natalie Merchant breaks out into Shiny Happy People, the great R.E.M. song. And the next thing you know, Michael Stipe, the lead singer of R.E.M., jumps out of the crowd, jumps on stage with Natalie, and they did this song together. And I'm pretty sure I orgasmed right there, right yeah, in my seat. Yeah, that part varies from... Time yeah. to time. Well, that so depends who you talk to. Yeah. yeah that, yes. I know <laughs> yeah. when I talk to you what, how that goes. Well, you would have done the same thing. Stipe and Natalie together? Right. Surprise? They, I think they were friends, though. Or, well, or, they must or, have been friends, yes, obviously. That's a friends. heck of a call by you, Lou. Yeah, you're, really, you're no I, dummy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For the next defeat, I will settle the... <laughs> yeah. You like R.E.M.? I, I remember. Yes. You just hate yes. that one song that I like. Perfect oh yeah, Circle. they have. It's just weird. That's the song you pick out of. Oh, like, I like them all. I like their... Superman. I like Fall on Me. Okay. I, I like them all. All right, but yeah. I do love Perfect Circle. I know. I do have to make a uh, a quick mention of what took place yesterday afternoon after the show because it was an unbelievably beautiful event put on by John and Margot Katzmatidis. You know how much I love them, Chad Lopez. Congratulations to Chad. No, George was there. I didn't see Emily yesterday. But we put on this, this great event all day, Back to Blue. We had a big show yesterday. A whole bunch of cool folks stopped by. And so we uh, we took it to the outdoors at about 1030 yesterday morning. And all of 49th Street, between 3rd and Lex, we had about 100 chairs and a beautiful podium and all these very highly decorated cops. I mean, highly decorated People there for the police commissioner, Eddie Caban, and Paul DiGiacomo from the DEA, and Frank from the Drug Enforcement Agency, and just a ton of uh, big-time cops showed up yesterday. But when we were done listening to the cops, we had three victims at this event yesterday. And every one of them made me cry, all three, starting with Eve Hendricks. Eve Hendricks' son, Brandon, was shot and killed on June 28th of 2020. He was just 17 years old, days after his high school graduation, basketball player. In fact, Eve showed up yesterday, as she did last year, wearing a T-shirt with her son, Brandon, in a basketball uniform on the shirt. And she is an unbelievable speaker. So heartfelt. And she broke my heart again for the second straight year. Also there yesterday was Patty McDonald. And when I introduced Patty because Chad and John gave me the honor of them seeing basically the event. I said, you guys know I'm a diehard New York Ranger fan. And over the years, 
I must have seen Steve McDonald at 100 Ranger games. We loved him there. In fact, I had the opportunity years and years ago for three consecutive years to coach the Christopher Reeve Foundation celebrity hockey game at the Garden when Christopher and his lovely wife Dana were, were both alive. They're both dead now, but of course, you know what he died from, and she died of cancer. But it was a, a great event, you know, and all kinds of famous people played for me, from Jason Priestley to Rick Moranis to Gary Delabate. I never met Patty McDonald. Her husband, Stephen, was shot back in July of 1986, and he spent the better part of 31 years in a wheelchair. He finally succumbed to his injuries and died January of 2017 at the age of 59 years old. But every New Yorker, Ranger fans and all, loved Stephen McDonald. And we love you, Patty. She was there yesterday. And then Esther Veve. I told you a couple of weeks ago that Paul DiGiacomo and the DEA bestowed this huge honor upon me, which I don't deserve, but thank you, ended up at this big annual dinner at Russo's on the Bay, and Paul and all those cops gave out awards a lot of guys in wheelchairs, guys that were stabbed and shot, all in an attempt to stop the bad guy, like we may have later on today in Maine. Who knows? And I met this guy. His name is Dallas Veve, and he was a cop, and he was shot back on June 3rd of 2017. He suffered some very serious traumatic brain injuries. He's in a wheelchair. He's alive, thank God for that, but as Esther pointed out yesterday, his beautiful wife, nothing's the same. You know, he sits there and he kind of looks back and forth, and he's aware, obviously. He could even fist bump today, which is great. But this was a big, burly, strong, active cop who's been reduced to that. So between Patty McDonald, Eve Hendricks, and Esther Veve. Yesterday was all worth it. The shows were great, and the cops were great. God bless every one of you, men and women. But these three ladies in particular provided such a tremendous intrinsic value for me that when I left, I felt real good about what John, Margot, Chad, and WABC just did. So congratulations, To everybody here at WABC, for an important day, an inspiring day, and certainly Patty McDonald, Eve Hendricks, and Esther Veve, we love you and pray for you and your loved ones alive and gone every day. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
my favorite R.E.M. songs. We just mentioned it. That's right. Lou Rufino is so good. It, I keep saying it's unbelievable, but it's not. It's predictable at this point. So I mentioned three or four songs I love by R.E.M. We go to commercial break. We come back, and boom, there it is. Superman by uh, R.E.M. So Alec is off today and tomorrow. I mentioned this earlier. And uh, Rich Rodabelli, who does a really great job for John Katz and Matisse every night. He's John's producer for Katz and Cosby. And I've worked with Rich many times. In fact, there was one week last winter when Lydia left. And uh, I worked with John that week, filled in to do the show before they took on Rita Cosby full time. And we had a blast. And we did some great shows together. So I love Rich. Rich is a great producer and a super guy. But, see, Alec is a kid. He's in his 20s, so I can yell at Alec and call him a moron, an idiot, and all these things. And, and, and first of all, it's true, but, and, you know, there's no no remorse. But with Rich, he's he's like a grown man. He's got a kid. His, his kid Liz is a great kid who works here. So. It's a stark contrast. Yeah, so, so part of Alec's responsibility is not just to do the sports and cut up all the sound, which he does an amazing job of. He's a great producer. But he goes out every morning and gets his breakfast. Oh, is that what I was supposed to do already? Well, it occurred to me that um, in 15 minutes, if I don't get a bagel with egg whites, somebody's going to be in big trouble. And then I said, well, how can I ask Rich Waddell? He's older than me. He's a grown man. No, no, I think we're about the same age. No, you're older. Uh, To go across the street to ask a bagel and bring Brian. I mean, I I just feel guilty doing that, so. How no, you can ask me. I, I'll. I'd be I mean, happy it, to it, do it. it is part of Alex's responsibility. Right. You've assumed that he didn't, so. he didn't. He didn't review that with me. He didn't. No. no. On purpose, probably. Meant <laughs> <laughs> sure. to make matters worse. I've got two sport jackets in the closet up front, and I was counting on Alex to take it to the dry cleaner after the show. Oh, well, yes. I draw the line right there. That. <laughs> what do you mean you draw the line? Cleaners. No, I have two jackets. One of which I wore yesterday. So there's a dry cleaner about three blocks away. So when the show is over, you you take the jackets to the dry cleaner, and then at that point, your responsibilities are over. Oh, is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Well, there was one <laughs> more right. thing, but I... But... Until you get to his house. Then... <laughs> How are your shoes? Are your shoes shined over there, Sal? <laughs> well, part of your responsibility also is to get my name right, not call me yeah. Sal. Sal. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, pot. He listens to FAN all the time. He loves Sal Licata probably, so that's why he did that. Rich is a big sports fan, big sports fan. Used to be. I'm no. still a big. Actually, I'm still a big sports fan, but my knowledge has kind of waned over no, the you years. Know, but you, know, you I, still know plenty. As uh, I left yeah. ESPN and came back here. How many years did you work at ESPN? Thirteen. Uh, really? Yeah. ESPN New York for Tim ESPN. McCarthy? Tim McCarthy. Helped launch the uh, the brand. Out right. There. I was the first person they interviewed for the afternoon show. Very first person. Tim McCarthy and stupid Phil Boyce. And what happened? They didn't hire me. They well, made a well, major I, mistake. Well, I know that. But... Well, they made a major mistake. Anybody who didn't hire me clearly has made a major mistake. In fact, somebody, I'm sure, said that last night at the Marconi Awards. <laughs> Any program director that did not hire me made a major mistake. That's why Chant Lopez and John and Margo are geniuses. Geniuses. And he wasn't the only one, Phil Boys, but. So you were there for 13 years? Yes. What shows did you work on? Uh, pretty much all of them. Michael Kay? A lot of weekends. A little bit with Michael Kay. A little bit with Michael Kay. Bill Daughtry. 
Oh, I used to uh, like Bill, yeah. yeah. Bill was great working yeah. with Bill at night. Uh, Dave Rothenberg, when he started at night. He's a nice guy, too. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Don LaGreca had a Saturday morning show. Donnie LaGreca. Show. Don, uh, Don and I worked together. There. Before he became a yeah. huge star sitting there with Michael Kay and Pete Rosenberg. Right. I love no, Don LaGreca. No, no relation? No relation. All right. But Don's brother, David, I screwed once because I didn't go to his wedding. No, I'll give him a check. No. I All think right. he's still mad. Could be. He's over at uh, he's over at Sirius, right? Yeah, he is. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for filling in these uh, two days. We got a really good guy, actually. Usually, when uh, the the full time guy is out, they give you like a weekend guy, or you know, some um, some you know, whale sperm guy. But you're uh, you're a big time guy. So. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate. It. I hope to do half as good a job as Justin does. Well, you're up well, to a great start. We'll see how the clean don't goes screw up breakfast. <laughs> Right down the order. I got it right down the order. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, my first guest today is actually running for DA in Queens. He's been on this show already two or three times. And if you listen to a lot of the cops on our shows on Back to Blue yesterday, part of their issue is, is they have to deal with these DAs. So they go out there, they arrest people and put their lives on the line. And some of these creeps are back on the street in 15 minutes. And we've got some of the worst DAs in the country right here in New York. You've got the worst in Alvin Bragg in New York City. I don't know the rest of them all that well. The guy in Brooklyn, Gonzalez, I guess. Don't know him all that well. Don't know McMahon out on Staten Island. Not a big fan of Melinda, who he's running against in Queens. And uh, who am I missing? Manhattan, Queens, Staten Island. Oh, uh, I, th- I guess it's Darcel Clark, I think, in the Bronx, but... Nevertheless, Judge Grasso is running against Melinda Katz in Queens, and he's back for a third visit. Judge Grasso, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sid. It's great to be with you again. I heard you had a great night in Bell Harbor Tuesday night, you know, calling a lot of attention to the uh, migrant mess. Uh, congratulations for that, and thank you for your, uh, for your focus on these important issues. Well, if you're going to thank me, the guy that really needs to be thanked, in all fairness, is Curtis Sleewa. He puts all these rallies together. I've been to three. I did go to the town hall in Queens on Tuesday. We've got another town hall in Brooklyn later on tonight, which I may have to beg out of. But either way, Curtis Sleewa is the guy and the rebels right on Staten Island. Who, no, Curtis is all over the He's place. the man. He's, he's the he's man. He's going to be in Creedmoor, at the Creedmoor thing. I, I live very close to the Creedmoor facility. And, and it's even worse than what you're talking about. It's Floyd Bennett Field. At least Floyd Bennett Field is a little bit more removed from the actual community. The Creedmoor, where they've got tents for about uh, a thousand individual men, is plopped right in the middle of Queens Village and Belrose, and we're already seeing serious problems, you know, on the streets. People wandering around. There's a lot of complaints. There's, there was no planning. There, there was no coordination with the community, and. Um, you know, I'm planning to, to be there at some point myself uh, during the day on Saturday. But thank you for having me on. Uh, I heard what you said about, you know, I know you had a Back the Blue uh, program. I heard that was well. And, look, the NYPD is the greatest police department in the world. But without the support of DAs, and I'm talking about day-in, day-out support, when they're on the street making the arrests that need to be safe, the quality of life enforcement – smoke shops, prostitutions, subways. you got district attorney like Melinda Katz. She loves to talk about domestic violence. Oh, you know, she goes, first of all, she ducks every public event I'm at. I'm at civics all over the city. 
from. I'm going to be a broad channel tonight. Bellrose, Bayside. I, I was actually thinking of the Bell Harbor event, but I had a Civic in Bayside, uh, uh, Long Island City, Astoria. No Melinda Katz anywhere. She doesn't want to talk about these issues. These issues are, are, are killing New York. She, the only issue when she does show up somewhere, isolated from someone like me, who will, who will actually discuss issues, She'll talk, oh, this is what we're doing on domestic violence. Domestic violence is important. I'm on running on the public safety line, very excited about the response I'm getting in Queens. It's not the only issue. But to her, it's the politically correct issue. We have to break through. And I appreciate this opportunity to discuss this with you, Sid. No, I appreciate you coming on. Look, here are the facts, okay? She is the uh, favorite here. By a pretty good margin. So I'm thrilled to death for you. I'm glad you're hearing good things on the street. But very few people, in fact, maybe nobody, would bet on you to win this race. So she is not obliged to do anything. You know, we saw the same thing with Trump and all these presidential debates. We saw the same thing with Kathy Hochul, who finally did one debate and got her ass kicked by Lee Zeldin. But these folks who are the front runners. They, uh, they don't respect the folks they're running against, and they don't want to give you the opportunity to embarrass them. So, of course, she's not doing much these days because she can stay home and probably win. So the onus is on you, is on you to go out, talk as much as you can, because folks are confused. They go, wait a second, George Grasso is a Democrat, but every time I hear him on Sid Show, he sounds more like a Republican. Who exactly is Judge George Grasso? And... As I said on the last show, and I'll say again, I am running on the independent public safety line that I created. George Grasso is not, a, is not an ideologue. I'm a crime fighter, not a politician. I'm a professional who's been in the criminal justice business since I was 22 in 1979. Queens Foot Cop, 1980, all the way up to Ray Kelly's first deputy police commissioner for eight years. 2002-2010, worked with Bill Braddon in the mid-1990s. I was one of the authors of the first NYPD quality of life strategy that was so successful in decimating crime and is now being undermined. Judge almost 13 years. By the way, as a judge, I drove programs for, for young people, for mentally ill, for people with substance abuse, where the court still had some accountability to help people who wanted to be helped. These bail laws are insane. The discovery laws are insane. I know it's a long shot, but you know what? It's a shot. And what we have to break through is apathy. And that's why this appearance is so good for me. Anybody who's listening, if you're in Queens, you don't know about me already, and you probably do if you listen to this show regularly, but go on my website. You'll see I am who I say. I always say George Grasso is the opposite of George Santos. Everything I say <laughs> is backed up. I got a solid platform i know what i'm talking about we can still turn this around but people got who are out there complaining especially in queens that's where i'm running get off your couch get out and vote and tell people about me because if you're, if you're as so apathetic that all you do is complain but you can't even with early voting which starts october 28th this saturday goes through november 7th election day november 7th you can't even get out and vote you forfeited your right to complain. Well, I agree with you. I, I agree. I say that all the time. Don't bitch and complain and do nothing about it. So you and I uh, shared a stage last December. I don't know who you are. 
and uh, Joe Murray, our mutual friend, the great attorney who showed up, mind you, at our town hall with me and Curtis Tuesday in Queens. He has this uh, beautiful Christmas event every year, raises money for very important charities, juvenile diabetes, autism, and this year, because he's got a huge heart, he's adding the Dyspraxia DCD America Foundation, which me and Danielle started, inspired by our son Gabriel. He's a terrific guy. So I see him Tuesday night, and he goes, you got to put Grasso on. I go, I love George. He's been on twice, no problem. So at least I know this. Some of the real movers and shakers in Queens are big George Grasso fans. The question is, how do you get to the rest of the folks in Queens? And as of today, George Grasso, what is your number one mission? What's the one thing you've got to do to fix what Melinda Katz has seemingly broken? Well, the first thing I got to do right is win. And and that's why we got to get people out. And I'm going to tell you something. When I win, and I can win if people wake up and get out, fixing it is for someone like me is going to be relatively the easy part because I'm going to bring back, because we did it before. That's why I'm so confident. You can't have people. You see prostitution is back blatantly on Roosevelt Avenue. Melinda Katz, oh, we're not going to touch that. Now, we know some of these women, maybe many of them, maybe the majority of them are trafficked. But you cannot be out there blatantly. We're not helping those women when we ignore the problem. We can bring them in the criminal justice system, and we can help them. But when we ignore it, the Post just did a headline in L.A. I mean, we're going to be back to the Times Square days. Prostitution, street-level drug dealing with fentanyl. We are losing thousands of people to overdoses with fentanyl, and the cops can't make good street-level drug dealing arrests anymore. The merchants are getting destroyed, CVS, ice cream locked up, toothpaste locked up. Grasso is going to restore accountability to the criminal justice system. And when I restore accountability to the criminal justice system and we start tackling, these things aren't small things when you add them all up. We're going to deal with a situation like in Flushing, Queens, over the last two years, the 109 precincts, one of the largest precincts in the city, robberies up over 100 percent, felony assaults up over 100 percent, grand larceny auto up over 100 percent. Don't tell us crime is going down. You don't go a week without someone being thrown in front of a subway car. These people, are, most of the people doing these crimes, they're homeless, they're mentally ill. They're living in the system. They're going in and out the gates, jumping over the turnstiles. The cops are afraid to touch them until a life is destroyed. When I win, and if people get off the couch and vote for me, and people hearing this tell people to vote for me, it will be a political earthquake that someone like me could take on the political bosses. And there's a so-called Republican candidate in Queens. He's a nice guy, but he has... No, no comparable experience to me, and he's got no defined plan. I'm the man with the plan who can get the job done, and I just told you how I'll do it. Judge George Grasso, early voting starts in two days, coming up this Saturday, all leading up to the big day, November the 7th. And if you take anything from what the judge just said, the most important thing is something I say on this show every day, and when I speak publicly as well, you got to vote. I Listen, I'm all caught up. Donald Trump sent me something yesterday. I'll get to that later. In that 2024 election, we got to get Trump back. we got to get him back. But before that, this November 2023, if you want to clean up your own streets in your own boroughs around New York, any one of the five, 
make sure you go out and vote and vote for a guy like Judge George Grasso. Judge, thank you very much, pal. We'll talk again. Thanks. Appreciate it, Sid. Thanks to you, and thanks to our mutual friend, Joe Murray. God bless you. you. That is uh, Judge George Grasso running again against uh, Melinda Katz, Curtis's ex-wife, one of many, who is now the district attorney in Queens. And I'm in a tough spot because Curtis and Katz, not John Katz, Matidi's Melinda Katz, they uh, share children. And we don't want Melinda to make life difficult for Curtis to see the kids. So I almost have to toe the line with Melinda. She's a horrible DA. Everybody knows that. Horrible. You know, she's got the same policies as every murderous Democrat across this country. But I don't want to break in Curtis's ball. So I try not to say things like I just said, which you will delete from the podcast after the show. That's simple. And I'm going to cut something that says something nice about Melinda which you're going to infuse so Curtis can see the kids. I like the words. Infuse. <laughs> if, you, if you can keep track of it, God bless no. you, because I'm completely confused uh, how he keeps track I of it. I have no idea. I have no idea. Hey, uh, Noel, before uh, we break you at the top of the hour, anything new with Robert Card in Lewiston, Maine? Uh, nothing yet. It's still the same. Still looking for Robert Card, the 40-year-old, and no sign of him yet anyway. All right. We're going to get all the news, all of it, including this mass shooting. Robert Card still on the loose. Almost two dozen dead up in Maine. It's a horrible, horrible story, including a kid's birthday party at a bowling alley. If you're just waking up, another depressing morning here in America. We'll try to get you through it. And what better song than this? Shiny Happy People by R.E.M. Is Sid and friends in the morning from my friends 77 WABC. Hey, got to, got to pay back revenge. Feel like at the top of every hour we should. Keep people updated on the major story today. There's been another mass shooting here in the United States. Robert Card, he's the guy they're looking for in Lewiston, Maine. Went out last night about 7 o'clock with his AR-15. Went to the bowling alley, little kid's birthday party, open fire. Then went to a bar, actually went to the bar first, open fire. Looks like there's at least 16 dead, maybe as many as 22, 50 injured, many of them severely injured. Seriously injured. And it looks like, at least from what I'm seeing out of the corner of my left eye, they've got one or two blocks on lockdown. I'm not sure if they're just setting up roadblocks so this guy can't flee or if they actually have an idea as to where he may be. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that as of now, Robert Card, the person of interest, he's the bad guy, is still at large. And as soon as more details come along, we will get you, Noam Layden, to take care of that. But, of course, we put this time aside every morning 
for the man. He gets big ratings noon to one every weekday afternoon, the Rip and Read. And, of course, he gets big ratings weekend overnights as well, but arguably does his best work right here alongside me every morning. We've kind of teamed up. Really, I joined his team. It's his team. And I've joined doing a couple of rallies in Brooklyn and Queens and had a very successful, I think, town hall at the Knights of Columbus in Queens just two nights ago. I know another town hall in Brooklyn later on tonight. I'm 50-50, but Curtis is going to be there. He has just been an unbelievable voice, him and the Rebels out on Staten Island, and doing a tremendous job, tremendous job in shutting down these migrant centers. Eight now. I hope Floyd Bennett Field is number nine. He did show me a picture moments ago, which is a little disturbing. But anyway, uh, here he is. He had a big event last night, too. The icon, the guardian angel himself, the legend, Curtis Sliwa. Good morning, Curtis. It's not a good morning. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I was at Jacob Javits Center helping to represent WABC at our table for the annual Marconi Awards, the top awards in all of radio. Yeah. And uh, we were nominated in two categories. Which is a testament to John and Margo, because as I said yesterday, we were great. Then we weren't. I mean, we were dead in the water. You were there with us at Cumulus. They sold off three stations. Me, Bernie, you, we were treading water. You weren't getting big ratings. Let me tell you WFUV, the Fordham station, had better ratings than us. I know that. No, I know that. And and we just, you know, we just tried to tread water, doggy paddle, Chad Lopez, did a tremendous job. i got to give them credit. And in come John and Margo on the white horse. So I don't know what happened. You're about to tell me oh whether we won or lost. But just the fact that we were nominated for a Marconi, let alone two, speaks to the really unbelievable, unbelievable ownership of John and Margo Katsimatidis. I am so happy you weren't there. You would have gone ballistic. Why me? Uh, because when they announced and the following stations, you know, um, uh, station of the year, you know, legacy yeah. station, the two categories we were in. Yeah. They had a picture of Frank Morano up there representing the station. We now have the curse of Babe Ruth upon <laughs> us for the next 86 years. <laughs> you would have went nuts because, let's face it, that guy's a curse. <laughs> he is? It is. Well, what are the, uh, what do you do prior that would uh, lead you to believe he's become an actual curse? I what mean, I'm, look at him. He's Frank Hamas, right? <laughs> Morano now. You know, somebody sent me a direct message from Instagram, on Instagram from Israel this morning. Now that you call them Frank Hamas Morano. i got to read this quickly. I love Frank. He's coming on at 810. Oh, I please, love him. I tell, think he's tell him, never show up again at these award gatherings. The curse of Frank Morano is upon us. Well, when you get to uh, finish that story, this guy Marco writes me at 3.20 a.m. this morning. I wrote you before I'm from Jersey, but I'm in Israel now supporting with my family. I never really liked Frank Morano, but he's on your show once a week, so I decided to listen. Being in Israel, I caught his show a couple of times, and I must tell you, someone that speaks like him is either stupid or anti-Semitic, and we both know he's not stupid. I love how you support Israel. Unfortunately, too many cowards, Chuck Schumer, Frank Morano, are silent or talking, and it's Sickening. I think uh, Frank, <laughs> Frank Morano is now on the three most hated list in America. 
Michael Cohen, number one, because yeah. nobody trusts him on either side. James Comey, number two, nobody trusts him on either side. And now Frank Hamas really? Morano. Yes. You think Frank Hamas Morano is more disliked in the country than my friend Donald Trump? Well, we, we gotta hate him. He, he, the curse of Frank Morano was on us. So you are telling me that we didn't win either one of those awards last night because they used a picture of Frank. So let me ask you this. Yes. Let's rewind the tape. Yes. This is all hypothetical. Yes. And let's say they did what they should have done. Yes. Way, which you used a picture of me. Of course. Then we would have won? Yes. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> your very dear friend who I threatened from WFAN, from Bay Ridge, Severian High School, lives in Dyker Heights now. Used to be, uh, I guess, your internal producer. No, no, he's always lived in Dyker Heights. You're talking about Chris Olivero. Right, but yes. went to school in Bay Ridge, he, he started his career in 2000 when I was hosting the morning show at WNEW with Scott Kaplan and then Craig Carton. He interned for me twice a week yep. and Gary Delabate and Howard Stern yep. twice a week. But I told you the story that we're walking down Kings Highway in Brooklyn 23 years ago. He's a kid. And he goes, Sid, one day I'm going to run this company. Yep. And I said, Chris, the way you work here with us, I believe that. And he is the biggest guy in radio now. I threatened him. What do you mean? I said, I'll give you a beatdown if you vote for Justin Brannon because he's in that district. I think they're friends. It doesn't matter. I said, if you don't vote for Harry Kagan and you vote for that pro-Palestinian, uh, you know, from the river to the sea, Justin Brannon, that's I'm coming for you. I threatened him. Ask him. No, I believe you. In front of him. everybody there. But I can tell you, when we were doing the morning show 23 years ago, that same person you just mentioned, Justin Brannon, was a uh, fat, tattoo-riddled a uh, guy who he still for, is. He for, still is. Yeah, and he worked on the Opie and Anthony show in the afternoon. He yeah, was pop, pop his bottom lip down. You got the <laughs> anarchy symbol. Yes, on his bottom that. lip. I know that. Uh, so we used to see him there, and we kind of liked him. We kind of liked him. Of course, now he's uh, become the enemy. But I would tell you, gun to my head, if I had a bet on this, and I love Chris Olivero, he's legitimately. One of my two or three best friends. Well, let me He's voting you. for Brandon. Uh, if you happen to be in the precinct uh, in the Bath Beach area or your 68th precinct in Bay Ridge, you're going to have to arrest me for a homicide. I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> I threatened him in front of everybody. The most powerful but, guy in all of radio in New York, correct? He, well, he runs all eight Odyssey stations. That's what I'm saying. 1010 wins, CBS, FN. Let, but let but, me, but let, there'll be more people than just Chris voting for Brandon. Matter. Doesn't well, just gonna matter. Kill Chris. If they see that he's afraid to vote for Justin Brandon, right, and he takes the coat of Omerta, even if he doesn't vote, that's fine by me. Well, why don't you present the same threat to another Bay Ridge resident who's also a dear, dear friend of mine like Chris Olivero, Arthur Idala? Oh, please. What a mama, Luke. What? Hey, remember you were interviewing him, and you asked, where were all the Italians, right? Where were all the Italians? He goes, oh, I had to go to a birthday party. <laughs> Meantime, all the Palestinians are coming down with some of your Jews, right? <laughs> Jews for Hamas, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians. And the cops blocked him from going over the 3rd <laughs> Avenue. All the Irish gin mills were packed Saturday night. The salty dogs, all of them. They would have beat the hell out of them. Oh, Irish were there for First and foremost, the Italians, oh, we're going to birthday parties, Arthur Idala. <laughs> but anyway, let me let me flip the script on you because you were you were so right about Lewiston, Maine. You've been there. I've been there. Uh think back, two thousand two. Uh we got Ilhan Omar in Minneapolis from Somalia because of the exodus from Somalia during the Civil War. Uh but the second largest group of Somalians went to Lewiston, Maine. Without Somalians, there'd be maybe ten thousand people in that town now. 
But the most important element, I'm surprised that you didn't hit the Sid Rosenberg Super Sports Spectacular 1965, the Phantom Punch by Muhammad Ali against Sonny Liston in the Lewis Central Maine. Maine Youth Center. Very they good. had to relocate the fight from the Boston Garden. Remember, it was the second fight. Everybody knew it was going to be fixed, but they wanted it for closed-circuit TV. That's where the money was. In the first round, there was a punch from Ali, and all of a sudden, here he is, listing down for the count. Yes. The fix was in. The mob made their money. Liston made their money. And you know the rest of the story. Lewiston, Maine. That is an excellent, an excellent reference out of you, Curtis Sliwa. And this is why you're a legend. You could actually attach. This is unbelievable. Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston to a mass shooting. Who the hell would have ever had a world heavyweight championship fight in Liston, excuse me, in Lewiston, at the Central Maine Youth Center? And how'd they even find that place? Well, because the fix was in. Remember, when you, when you got <laughs> yeah. big money, right? Yeah. And uh, Sonny Liston's going to take a dive. They're going to find a joint. I do want to ask you, though, from a, from a legal uh, um, look at this. If there's a shooting, like you have Guardian Angels now in how many cities across America? Well, there are 13 countries, 130 cities across America. Wow. So let's assume. Yes. Now, for some reason, you've got Guardian Angels, not in Lewiston, Maine, and one of the nearby bigger cities. Yes. And right now, the cops are looking for this Robert Card. Do you guys get involved in stuff like that? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes you do. Sometimes. Are you anywhere near Lewiston, Maine, the Angels? Or? No. Nowhere near. No, closest would be Boston. You're in Boston, uh, that's Massachusetts. About, uh, that's north, about 140 miles. I was going to say about two hours. All you yeah. got to do is smell the paper mills, uh, <laughs> which stink in the morning, and you'll find your way to Lewiston, uh, I know. Maine. So you showed me a picture a couple of minutes ago, and uh, you were fresh off, and I have to say this with all sincerity. That town hall that uh, you put on, you invited me, that you put on Tuesday in, in Queens, you were just unbelievable. You come in like Mariano, you shut the door, you're the closer. People go nuts. They really do, and they should. You're great. And you showed me a picture right before you came on about 25 minutes ago, an aerial view of Floyd Bennett Field. And from what you showed me, it looks like there's enough tent capacity for 10,000 people, Easy. not 500 women and children. What is really going Look, on there? Uh, NYPD, you use drones. Guess what? The rebels, we use drones, too. And by the way, let's give credit where credit is due. The Sullivan brothers, first in peace, first in war. Uh, they helped put that all together. They're part of the rebel contingent. Uh, I am. Is that true? Is Mike and Thomas Sullivan, are they now officially rebels? Okay. Well, they're Irish, right? Up the rebels! <laughs> The Italians retreated. Oh, we got to go to birthday parties. Oh, we can't no, deal no, with no. the Palestinians. Joe Murray's Italian. Yes, he was. Yeah. And from Canarsie, I might add. Yeah. And he's been the Ray Donovan. He's trying to be the fixer because your friends have gone into court, have been trying to have demonstrations where maybe 50 people show up, more cops than people. And, and Sid, you got to tell them, get out of my freaking way. Because this is the biggest, this is going to be the biggest project yet to try to shut down. They have an encampment that you could easily fit 7,500 single able-bodied men without blinking an eye. Easy. I mean, the tents that you showed me, there's, I saw at least five or six, one of them very, very long, very long. And, and remember, we had rallies where you had 2,000 people show up. 
Now they have a gathering. Your friend Joanne Ariola and uh, Williams, the assemblywoman, they're trying to say, oh, black and white, you know, like Ebony and Ivory, Democrat and Republican. They're lucky if they get 50 people. They're more cops than people. Stop. City Hall is laughing. They say, we got these crackers. You can't do this. It shows weakness. If you're not going to show strength, stop. And the other thing is, if they do, in fact, bring the first busload of women and children, you don't want to be seen out there demonstrating against women and children. No, 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 no. Absolutely no. not. Let's let's let it play out. Keep your powder dry. Remember, I'm the guy who's helped eight communities shut down these migrant centers. Look at your friend Eric Adams yesterday say, oh, the churches, the churches, they got to do their job. Yeah, Reverend A.R. Bernard, you haven't taken one illegal alien. Hey, Rabbi Joe Fantastic, not one illegal alien because you're all for gazes. You talk the talk, and then all of a sudden, even with the city giving you money to house these illegal aliens in your churches, synagogues, and mosques, well, let's not encourage mosques at this rate because some of them are probably terrorists at this point. I got to tell you, Sid, it's all-out war. So you got to be there tonight, the Knights of Columbus, 7 o'clock, not far from where Sid Rosenberg grew up in the shadow of Madison High School. We're talking Nostrin Avenue and Quentin Road, 7 o'clock, and I am going to lay it all out because this is total war to save our country, save our city, and save our state because Biden... Hochul and Adams have rolled over for the illegal aliens, and we know amongst them now are terrorists who are going to hit us a third time. Be there if you want to save America. I can dig rapping. I'm ready. I can dig scrapping. But I can't. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. This song has happened to be one of my lakeweight partner, Bernie McGurk's favorite songs. And that's why my man, Lou Rafino, the great Lou Rafino, is playing it. Because we talked earlier in the program about today being one of my all-time faves, Natalie Merchant, 10,000 Maniacs. Her birthday today is also the birthday of the aforementioned Bernie McGurk. Happy birthday, B. Happy birthday, pal. Bernie would have been... 67. Right? Six. He died at 64? This is his second birthday. Yes, because he just... No, he was alive last year on this date, wasn't he? No, 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 right, no, right. no. What am I talking about? Right. Anyway, happy birthday, Bernie. We miss you every day. We love you. All right, I got um, Judge Napolitano coming up next, then Frank Morano, then Bill O'Reilly, 
and uh, William and his uh, son Christian DeMeo and Pete Gordio are coming in. Because it looks like we're going to start shooting season three of the ultra-popular, I mean ultra-popular uh, series on Amazon Prime Gravesend as early as January in Miami. And I've got a, a big role coming up. Now, those guys will join us later on in the program. You know who uh, Pauline Fomer is, of course. Uh, Pauline is the co-president of Fomer Media, LLC, and the editorial director for the Fomer Guidebooks. She also uh, writes a very good column. It's syndicated. That is distributed by King Features, and she's got her own show, The Travel Show. Got a cool job, bottom line. And uh, she's going to hop on this morning with a couple of recommendations quickly before the judge and Bill O'Reilly. Pauline, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. Nice to speak with you. Yes, you too. Thank you very much. You know, it's funny. We, um, Danielle and I, my, my beautiful wife Danielle and I, were driving the other day, and we were going to Howard Beach. We live in uh, Rockaway Beach. So we uh, we take this straightaway that gets you, I guess, in between Broad Channel and Howard Beach, Pauline. And uh, what I have on the right and left side while driving is the Jamaica wildlife. And I pointed out to Danielle, I said, man, look at those trees. Uh, I didn't realize, but it's only late October, and there was a lot of red and a lot of yellow. I usually don't yeah, think I don't think about the yeah the leaves changing. I go wow. She goes, you know, maybe it's time you and I went to Boston or anyway. For folks who love that stuff, and my wife and I do, what do you recommend people go see the best foliage change this time of year? Well, there's a really good website called NewEngland.com. They track this, and they're saying this weekend is going to be the best weekend of the year to see fall foliage. They're saying go to western Connecticut, go to southern and central Massachusetts. You can go all the way up to southern Maine, and you're going to see the best colors of the weekend. That being said, I hope you'll also come to the New York International Travel Show at the Javits, where I'm going to be speaking about travel. If you love travel, that's going to be the place to be. I love travel. I just need, I don't have enough money to uh, go. <laughs> Who doesn't love traveling? It just costs a lot of money. And, and well, We're going to tell you how to save money. There's so, there actually is like a best day of the week to book airfares. Uh, there was a, a recent study with billions of data points, tr- literally billions, and they found that people who buy their tickets on Sundays, so not fly on Sunday, but buy on Sunday, uh, save 10% statistically. So there are ways to wow. get out. You can do it. You just have to be a little bit sneaky about it. Well, I like that. Uh, so, Pauline, is that show at the Javits Center, is it tomorrow? When is that show exactly? Well, it's open to the public on Saturday. I'll be speaking at 1230. There are two days of conferences for people in the travel industry, uh, today, Thursday, and Friday. But if you're just a traveler and you want to save money to come to the show, use the code FROMER10. That will get you $10 off your ticket. Very nice. FROMER, F-R-O-M-M-E-R-10. This is Pauline, I know that um, you know you talk an awful lot about what to do, what not to do, because I want to travel. You know, the weather is still beautiful here. It's going to be 80 on Saturday. But as soon as I start to see a 10-day forecast where we don't make it out of the 40s, I'm gone. So, you know, I spent 16 years living in Boca Raton, Florida, Pauline. But, uh-huh. we don't, but my daughter goes to college in Europe, so we go to London and Wales quite a bit. And Ava travels everywhere, Germany, Italy, Spain, you name it. So we're interested in that type of thing. But uh, you do say that be very careful, very careful if you book your trip online, specifically sightseeing, that's where they screw you, yes? 
Well, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of the major search engines for travel, Expedia, Orbitz, Priceline, Travelocity, they added the capability to book attractions and tours. So it's very convenient, but you're probably paying an extra fee that you don't need to. And sometimes you get pushed into bad tours. To give you an example, a Priceline sells for $79 a tour to Ellis Island here in New York. Problem is, the National Park Rangers don't allow outside tour guides onto Ellis Island. So you've just flushed $79 down the toilet. <laughs> true. Go to Ellis Island to see the, the facility. You're not going to be able to go inside the facility with the tour guide you hired. So on the way out, and again, folks, this is uh, Pauline Fomer, and, and check her out. She's going to be at the Jacob Javits Center uh, Saturday, October the 28th, which is, of course, this Saturday. It's the nyinternationaltravelshow.com. That's where you find out more information. Uh, I'm talking about strictly domestic. I'm not talking about international right now because, to be honest, I'm a little nervous. I probably shouldn't say that with you because you want people flying everywhere, but I'm a little nervous. Uh, domestic travel. What do you yeah. recommend this time of year? I don't like snow. No, thank you. I don't need ice. I want to lay my ass on a beach. Where am I going? Besides Florida. Oh, besides Florida. Well, there's some gorgeous beaches uh, down in Alabama, uh, down along the southern coast. I mean, it is going to be getting chillier this time of time of year. And you, you can't ever guarantee anything within the contiguous United States. We're actually, we just released our best places to go list in 2024, and we're actually saying, go back to Maui. Only one part of that island was affected. They, they earn 90 cents of every dollar there is earned in, in travel and tourism. So they need our business. They yeah. need us back. Yep. If you go in a respectful manner, you're going to be welcomed. I agree with you. We actually had a timeshare for uh, two years, and we still have it because we're Hilton members. And we went to Kona uh, two consecutive years, not Maui, but Hawaii nevertheless. And it was gorgeous. We went in December. It was gorgeous. We went in June. It was gorgeous. In fact, now that you bring it up, Pauline, I need to go back to Hawaii, don't I? <laughs> Definitely. Go back to Hawaii. You're right. No seasons there. It's just always glorious. The only difference in going in the fall is you're not going to get whale watching. But okay. I'll take the beach without the whales. That's okay. You know, the only time I ever threw up on a boat, and I've done cruises and all these things, Pauline, for years, even my mom and dad had a little boat on Kanyanga Lake in upstate New York, which sank with my grandmother in it. The only time I've ever thrown up on a boat was going whale watching in San Diego. So I can, yeah, it was brutal. But um, on a serious note, but folks that uh, want to check you out again this weekend, get more information because you do provide a very, very valuable service. Give me the lowdown one more time, Pauline, on the way out, please. Sure, it's at the new. It's at the Javits Center. It's called the New York International Travel Show. Uh, It's open to the public. There's going to be. Thousands of people there talking about travel, experts from every part of the industry, whether you're interested in cruising, there will be, you know, booths for that, whether you're interested in in tours, whether you want to learn about different destinations, and you'll have some of the top experts in the world of travel, like me. Uh, giving speeches and then talking to people afterwards. So like come on by. I always hang out and help people plan their vacations. Oh, you know where I want to go, actually, before I let you go, Pauline? In fact, Danielle's looking online as we speak. I'm a big U2 fan. I've seen them in concert about 20 times. I'm serious. 
And this sphere, this new sphere in Las Vegas, everyone I know that went there was blown away, and I love Vegas anyway. Are you getting a lot of folks interested in going to see the sphere in Las Vegas to see you too? We actually ran an article on Fromers.com about the best ways to see the sphere because it's so damn popular, and there are different ways you can get different angles on it. But, yeah, Las Vegas, the great thing about it is it's always changing. You're never going to be bored in Las Vegas. No. Even if you went just a year before, it'll be totally different when That's you true. get there. No, you're right, and uh, when you walk around the Strip, you'd have no idea that Israel's on fire. There's been a mass shooting in Maine. You'd have no idea. People go to Vegas and find a way to have have fun for a couple of days, and I like that. Anyway, Pauline Fomer, you're terrific. Uh, have a great show this weekend. We'll see you at the Jacob Javits Center. And keep doing what you're doing. We need people like you. we got to get away. A lot of stress, so thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye. All right, take care. Let's go back to Noam Layden before I get to Judge Napolitano. I did mention just now people in Vegas, they're not uh, keeping up with what's going on in Israel, this mass shooting. There was another mass shooting in America last night in Maine. It is a top story today. It's a very depressing story. And my fear is when the real details come out, it's going to get worse. Because right now, in terms of dead, all you see is a number. Is a number. Uh, But I know that this Robert Card went into a bowling alley in Maine, and there was a little kid's birthday party and opened fire with a semi-automatic weapon. So when we start to attach names faces and ages to this number, I think this is going to be a really, really depressing story. No, what's the latest? Well, the one thing new we can add to that, so the 22 dead is the number so far they're sticking with. More than 50 injured by this gunman, Robert Card, who was having mental health issues, had threatened to shoot up the military base he worked on. Um, he apparently, they are worried now that he's somehow... Uh, connected to police radio, and he knows their movements. No and, doubt. And so they think that's part of the reason they're unable to find him is he's figured out where they are and he knows where to hide. But that's the newest piece of information. Otherwise, we do not know names of the dead. I mean, this all took place last night. Small town, 38,000 people, not a huge police force. So that information will come out probably slower than it would from like a big city police department like the NYPD. All right. Keep it right here. Nobody better than our news department, specifically Noam Layden. They catch this guy. Any new details? We'll have it first. Noam Layden, thank you very much. 746, just ahead of Judge Napolitano. I'm watching my friend Mike Lawler on television, and of course you guys know that I ripped him a new anus on this show a couple days ago. I beat him bad, but we're friends. I like Mike Lawler. So it turns out this Jew-hating, racist asshole Jamal Bowman turned himself in this morning for pulling the fire alarm, which is a felony, mind you, during the, uh, the vote, the Republican vote. So they've got Lawler on Fox News right now talking about Bowman 
turning himself in. I just wonder, Noam, if they're showing here Brian Kilmeade and Ainsley and Ducey and uh, Lawrence Jones the smiling picture of Lawler and Bowman together sitting next to each other yeah. before landing at Westchester Airport. I didn't see that picture up there. Oh, yeah. That's, that had a lot of people <laughs> outraged. And the truth is, a Bowman could get up to six months in jail. Good. I mean, that's the punishment. Can't be longer? Well. Can we attach something else to this prick? If we can find something else, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the judge can. Judge Napolitano. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's had an amazing career, folks, from Fox News to IMIS to this show. And now he's got his own podcast, which my friend Steve Lapper says... Gets like millions and millions of listeners. No surprise. Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, can you find something or at least make it up to keep Jamal Bowman in prison longer? (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, my friend. I've actually been scratching my head trying to think of what else he could be charged with. He probably could be charged with obstruction. Listen to this, because this is one of the charges against uh, the former and future president of the United States obstruction of Congress, because his goal in pulling that alarm uh, was not to report a fire, as we know. It was to prevent members of Congress from voting by forcing them to flee the building in fear of a real fire. So instead of, or in addition to charging him with just falsely uh, triggering an alarm, they should charge him with obstruction of Congress a very serious felony, five to ten years. I love it. You know, you mentioned Trump. i got to get this out here quickly. It's uh, it's about me, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, get something in, I get something in the mail yesterday. I'm Man, sitting, I know you well. <laughs> I'm sitting on my deck getting some sun, and Danielle walks outside with an envelope, and the envelope says DJT, I swear to God, with a Palm Beach address. And she's like, I think you got something from Trump. I go, wait, 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 Trump, what are you talking? He's in New York right now yelling at Michael Cohen. Well, here's the letter. So I open up the envelope. This is unbelievable. And uh, we had provided Donald Trump the last time he was on about a month ago with a series of topics. And he printed it out. It actually says Sid Rosenberg, New York Radio interview topics, everything from DeSantis to Republicans and blah, blah, blah. Right. And he takes this sheet of paper, Donald Trump, and he signs it. It goes, Sid, you are great, number one, Donald Trump. Now, mind you, if we got it from Florida yesterday, he had to do this over the last couple of days. He's been in court. This poor guy doesn't have a second to breathe. But I received in the mail yesterday the actual show sheet, the topics, with Donald Trump writing, Sid, you are great, number one, with his iconic signature so he really does love me (laughs) i am not surprised you and i both know him and that's the way he is with his friends who stick their necks out for him in public he doesn't forget that and he does little things like that to make you feel good feel great Uh, the other day i got a message from joe tacopina you're not going to believe this the message is he loves you and misses you donald trump Oh, is that right? 
Yes. Oh, that's hey. great. Takapina loves you too. I mean, I if I, if I and you know sometimes he's gotten mad at me because I've said the interpretations of the law that he didn't agree with. Ah, he, he doesn't get mad. Not, not, honest. No, and he loves our friendship. He does. In fact, the two people he he texts me about most throughout the week are you and Norman Seabrook. I mean, almost every day something about the judge and Norm. He loves you. But why are you talking about Trump? I know Trump loves you too. Um, you mentioned uh, the Michael Cohen fiasco yesterday and they uh they come face to face so where are we whether it's the georgia trial which had some bad news really for trump and giuliani last week or this michael cohen nonsense yesterday where are we in trump's recent legal battles all right so the former president has it's only thursday and the former president has not had uh a good week we'll start with georgia where jenna ellis whom i know from her many appearances uh, at fox heretofore very, very loyal to Donald Trump and present at almost all the uh, key meetings in November and December of 2020 and January 21, indicted along with Trump uh, in Georgia by the DA, Fonnie Willis, pleaded guilty and agreed to testify against the former president in Georgia and in the federal case. So let me stop you right there because I know Jenna too, and I was shocked. So my question to you is, right? What the hell did these authorities in Georgia threaten to do to Jenna that she had had no choice but to stab her friend in the back? What did they do to her? Well, they probably told her that if she were convicted, she was facing five years um, in prison uh, and that they would recommend no jail time if she worked with them. Now, if Donald Trump were to say to a witness, if you testify the way I want you to testify, I will give you something of value. Or he'd be charged with witness tampering. But when the government says to a witness, if you testify the way we want you to testify, we'll give you something of value. We'll go easy on you. That's not witness tampering. That's considered normal and acceptable. So when this happened in my courtroom, I would instruct the jury this witness that just uh, testified, testified under an agreement with the government. If you believe the witness was bribed, please take that into account. If you believe what the government did was appropriate, then don't take it into account. Of course, the government hates when you say that. But this is a form of bribery. And they scared the daylight out of her. This is also bad news for another friend of ours, the former mayor, because Jenna was with Rudy Giuliani at nearly every one of his appearances and his arguments around the country. Together, they addressed state legislatures and investigative committees and judges arguing uh, that there was so much fraud in the 2020 uh, election uh, that it should be overturned in that particular jurisdiction. My point is, this is pressure on Rudy as well, because she's going to testify or has offered to testify against him as well as against the former president. So not a good week. On top of that, Mark Meadows, I know you're not crazy about Mark. Uh, it turns out we learned yesterday, this happened back in July, but we learned it yesterday, was given immunity by the Fed. Now, the feds do not give out immunity for free. They give out immunity, meaning you simply cannot be prosecuted on this subject matter. They give out immunity only if you give them a terrific gift. What was that gift? Well, we don't know because the testimony and the debriefing of Meadows was in secret. We can assume 
it was some sort of killer testimony against the former president and against the former mayor. Now back to Trump. Yesterday in court, Michael Cohen uh, contradicted himself, and Trump was ecstatic at that contradiction and walked out of the courtroom and said, this case is over because the witness just admitted that I never told him to cook the books. I'll tell you what Cohen said in a minute. And then Trump said, by the way, I got a very biased judge, and the person sitting next to him is even more biased and more partisan. All right, so who was sitting next to the judge at the time? On one side was Michael Cohen, on the other side was the judge's law clerk, whom Trump, for reasons I don't know, has attacked in the past and whom the judge has forbade Trump from attacking. The judge has said quite properly, you can attack me, the judge, all you want. You can attack the prosecutors all you want. You cannot attack the staff. Uh, that works here because that's not why they're right here. $5,000 for attacking her. Yesterday, he added $10,000 when he put Donald Trump on the stand and said, what did you say? I said I have a partisan judge and the person next to him is partisan. Or who are you talking about the person next to him? I was talking about Michael Cohen. The judge says, I don't believe you. You were talking about my clerk, a $10,000 fine. The numbers are insignificant to a man of Trump's wealth. But the repeated nature of these fines, the judge getting uh, in the middle of the examination itself, the judge getting uh, angry at the defendant, none of this is good. So a bad week for the former president. He's got plenty of time to uh, come back from all of this. Well, that's good because we need him. I mean, I don't know what else you need to see, whether it's domestic, the economic issues at home, the race, the crime, to what's going on around the world. And again, uh, we got to run, but... I maintain that Joe Biden and this administration, Barack Obama and his administration, have been complicit in dead Israelis all over Gaza and back in Israel because of the way they've handled and treated Iran over the years. It's not as easy as, well, you know, uh, they just loosened some sanctions. They just gave them a couple of billion dollars. No, 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 no. They denied Iran's involvement for weeks. And when it became obvious to the country and the world they couldn't do it anymore, they admitted it and act as if it's no big deal. It's a very big deal. As you are, I love you. Excellent appearance. As always, Judge Napolitano, thank you so much. I uh, love you, Sid. All the best, man. No matter what we talk about, all the best to you, my man. You too. You're great. You really are great. And uh, a lot of folks uh, love you on this show. A lot of folks, more than you even know. So that's uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. That wraps up two hours of terrific radio. Great radio. we got two more great hours to come. Once again, the father-son combination, William and Chris DeMeo and Peter Gordio from Gravesend. Live in studio, 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk to Liz Pipko. We'll talk to Frank Morano. And, of course, the massive monster segment of the week, the great Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly coming up in about 40 minutes. Thursday edition, Sid and Friends in the Morning. Rolls on. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
is a northern town, and right now that is the center of the news here in America today, another mass shooting, and this one's going to be ugly, I'm telling you, folks. When these details come out, this psycho walked into a bowling alley with a kid's birthday party and opened fire with an automatic weapon. So we don't know any details about who's dead, exactly how many, but between the dead and the injured, it's approaching 80. And we still haven't found this guy yet. He did this at 7 o'clock last night, but as Noam pointed out, he may have a transit, a police radio, and he may uh, know where the police are before um, before they do. <laughs> so he's um, difficult to apprehend. He's got some army experience, and he's a psycho. He's been in a mental ward. He's heard voices. This is a really ugly incident. And if anything happens, if he's caught, any new details, keep it right here for Norm Layden and WABC. Our, our um, overnight host, Frank Morano, does a great job. The show is the other side of midnight. Well, he's had a rough morning here. I got to tell you, Curtis refers to him because he does seem to have, for some reason, a little um, the leniency towards the Palestinians. So he's been uh, now called uh, Frankie Hamas Morano on the show. And then uh, Curtis also contends that WABC lost two opportunities at winning Marconi's last night because they used Frank Morano and not Sid Rosenberg in the video. Well, I really can't comment on either one. They both make sense, but I can't comment on either one. So here he is, my good friend, the host of The Other Side of Midnight, Frank Morano. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sid. They both make sense, huh? They, they both make sense. That, by the way, you did a great job at the uh, protest, at, not the protest, the press conference yesterday. You see, you see, you're so used, you see, you're so used to saying protests and you love that. You love that about these countries that animals and and Jew haters and KKK members and BLM uh, people that oppose migrants in Floyd Bennett Field or people who support any other cause as long as they're nonviolent. Absolutely. Now, uh, as we saw in Bay Ridge, uh, last week, the uh, people that were arrested and being very hostile to the cops, that's not peaceful protest at all. I don't support that kind of thing at all. And, uh, you know, uh, that there's no calls, no call for that at all. But uh, I did get to meet finally your friend Chris Olivero at the uh, Marconi Awards yesterday. He's very high on you, very impressed with you, clearly. <laughs> and uh, it's easy to see why. Uh, he is shorter than I imagine, though. Based he on is short, yes. But he's yeah, about- I mean, I'm short, too. But the way you talk about him, you talk about him as a, a giant of uh, of industry, and I guess that's sort of the industry, the image that I had in my brain. You know how that is when you never. No, met that's somebody. funny. No, no, you're right. You it's know. funny, but I will tell you this: when you talk about just uh, height, for example, the two guys, in my opinion, that are the best young programming radio guys in the country, and I know I've been on like you are now, hundreds of markets, hundreds in big cities, or Chris Olivero. And Chad Lopez, and they're both hmm. under five feet. Interesting. You, you think that, you think there's a correlation? Well, listen, they've worked together at CBS, and uh, they they've kind of rubbed off on each other. But Chris is a terrific guy, and he was my intern 23 years ago. My intern now he runs every Odyssey station in New York. And Chad, when I was on the air at the Fan, was one of their top sales guys, and now he has built this with John and Margot into the power that it is today. So those two guys in particular, Chris and Chad, not necessarily tall 
physically, but huge in stature. As you are, I want to get to these uh, counter races. You mentioned, Frank, you're great with this. You mentioned Bay Ridge, obviously Justin Brannon, a target of mine, a friend, mind you, of Chris Olivero, the aforementioned. Uh, he's got to lose. What do those prospects look like? You know, uh, we spoke about this race maybe two months ago. I told you that I didn't think there was any way that Brandon would lose this seat. I think this race, is, and part of the reason of people wondering why they're ta- we're, we're talking about this uh, a couple of weeks before Election Day, um, early voting starts on Saturday for all these elections all over the city of New York. So people are free to vote uh, this Saturday, this Sunday, for nine days of early voting, which for uh, races with this degree of low turnout is ridiculous but if people want to go out and vote this weekend they're certainly welcome to i think this race has all the potential for a major upset now this is a race even under the new district as constituted that uh this is a district i should say even under the new district lines that curtis won barely he uh, edged out eric adams in the mayoral race and but, I because think this Justin, district, this district was initially 43. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is now the right. Brooklyn Asian district. And now the Brandon, uh, Ari race takes place in district 47, right? Right. And again, uh, so it gets a little confusing with the numbers, but the, the neighborhoods we're talking about here, it's Southern Brooklyn, including part of Bay Ridge, Coney Island and Seagate. I think Justin Brandon has so mishandled this migrant issue and Ari Kagan, uh, by partnering with folks like Curtis, with folks like you. And by tapping into the strong um, Russian ethnic constituency here, I think he has the opportunity to actually beat Justin Brannon, which is something that I never thought I would say wow. a month ago, two months yeah. ago. Yeah. And uh, I think you could see a major upset here. Either way, it's going to be close. If uh, people live in any of these neighborhoods and they think their vote doesn't matter, I could see this race coming down to uh, the, the wire and uh, coming down to just a handful of votes. I think Justin also has uh, mishandled his handling of the Palestinian protest situation as well. I still don't know really where he is on the issue with the protests. He seems to be trying not to alienate everybody. Right. Uh, and uh, I don't know where, I don't know how that's going to play in this district because a lot of the Palestinian constituents, they're not crazy about, or the Arab constituents, I should say. And uh, a lot of the folks that are opposed to the protest, they're not crazy about him. So um, Justin should win, but I think this race is very competitive, very close. Kagan could win. Well, I'm surprised to hear you say that. It makes me happy, and uh, and I hope you're right. Uh, that's not the only race in Brooklyn. I think you told me yesterday, I love these conversations, there's about three or four uh, council races that you think yeah. may come down to the wire like this one, at least one more in Brooklyn, yes? Yeah, uh, there are, uh, there are uh, several, probably four very close races around the, around the city. In most of the city, it's, uh, already, uh, the, the die has been cast, uh, not necessarily because the districts are one party districts, which in many cases there are, but because a lot of these candidates your don't borough, even have your, your borough doesn't believe in any, right. in any competition. What's going on with Staten <laughs> that's, Island? That's right. <laughs> it's a real disappointment for the most bipartisan borough to have all four races that we have this year not have any major party opposition. So, I mean, that's that's a, a story for another another day. But I heard your interview Tuesday with uh, Vito LaBella. I thought it was an interesting interview. This is Thank the you. district 
um, th- that's also Southern Brooklyn includes Sunset Park, Bensonhurst, Gravesend, a little bit of Bay Ridge. But, um, if you asked Vito Lavella the question and I was listening on the podcast and I'm, I'm saying, I, let's please sit, ask this question, ask this question. I was almost reaching to text you, even though the interview had already happened. And sure enough, you did. Uh, Vito oh, Lavella is running as the conservative party candidate. He was in the Republican primary. He was endorsed by the GOP. And he, and I said to you back five, six months ago, I said, this is a district that they created for the Asians to have a seat. And of course, the Republicans do what they always do. And they, cla- they t- grab victory from, uh, f- grab defeat from the jaws of victory. And they nominate a guy named Vito Lavella. Well, it turns out that even though the party nominated Vito Labella, and this is one of the reasons their former chairman, Ted Gora, was kind of ousted. The Republican primary voters went with a, an Asian activist by the name of Ying Ten. So she's the Republican nominee, and Vito Labella is staying in this race as the conservative party nominee. Now, you know me, I'm a, a third party guy. I, I, until Donald Trump, until I voted for him, I always voted for third party candidates in every presidential election ever. But, uh, the explanation he gave you as to why a vote for him is not a vote for the Democrat, Susan Zhang, it was totally preposterous. Now, this race is going to be very close. How close? Well, if you look at uh, the uh, voter enrollment, it's 51% Democrat. But if you look at the the numbers that Curtis put up in this seat two years ago, he got 60% of the vote here. So it's a Democratic district but li- that likes to vote Republican. So Ying Tan should be in a very strong position, not only because Asian voters seem to be resonating on the crime issue, but uh, with issues like uh, specialized high schools, uh, all sorts of other issues. But Vito Labella, every vote that votes for him would otherwise be voting for the Republicans. So if he gets three, four, maybe even five percent of the vote, he could siphon off potentially enough of the vote from the Republican to tip this election to the Democrat. Now, I wish we had ranked choice voting for the general election in New York, but we don't. We only have it for the primary. If we had ranked choice voting, it wouldn't be an issue because they could rank Labella first and Ying Tang second. But uh, this has uh, this still is going to be a close race. But this is a race that Vito Labella could tip to the Democrats because of his candidacy on that conservative party line. Give me the race in the Bronx right now, too, that you think is very, very close. Oh, this, this is an exciting race to watch, as was the primary uh, that you covered, I think, more than any other radio show in this city, including a lot of the ethnic uh, radio shows that are all over this. This is uh, the Southeast Bronx, Throgs Neck, Pelham Bay, Mars Park. It's the 13th district. The incumbent is Marjorie Velasquez. She's not just a Democrat, but she's a progressive Democrat, very much out of step with where the voters of this community are. Uh, they're They're Democrat, but they're kind of old school Democrat. The Republican and the conservative nominee is Christy Marmorado. This is a district Curtis won, barely. It's a district Lee Zeldin almost won. This is a dogfight here. And uh, I could see the Republicans picking up this seat as well, which would be historic. It would be the first city council member that's been a Republican in the Bronx in decades. So uh, I think that's pretty – it's an exciting race to watch. The other race that has the potential to be competitive is also – is in Queens, 19th District, College Point, Whitestone, that area of northeast Queens, where – 
you have the incumbent Vicky Palladino running against the former city councilman and former state senator Tony Avella. This is kind of a rematch of their race f- from t- uh, two years well, ago. She's not going to lose my girl. Vicky. No, no, no. She's no. got incredible support from law enforcement, the law enforcement union unions. I think she probably gets about 55, 60 percent of the vote, which wouldn't would be a landslide in any other city other than New York. But in New York, this is probably going to be the second or third closest council race in the uh, in the city. Final 30 seconds. These are DA races. I know you're set on Staten Island. Brooklyn is not for a year either. Three of the boroughs in play. I had uh, Judge George Grasso on earlier. He's looking to beat Melinda Katz. Seems like pie in the sky. Any of these DA races is going to be close. Uh, no, I mean, in Staten Island and the Bronx, there's not even token opposition. So in Queens, I give the Republicans credit for at least running a candidate in Michael Massa, who's on the Republican and the conservative uh, lines. But I give credit as well to George Grasso, knowing that he's uh, probably, uh, you know, not he's fighting an uphill battle, to say the least. I don't see it being competitive, but I, in a low turnout election, one never knows. However, I think the combined total for both Massa and Grasso probably ends up being less than 35%. Grasso's doing a great job raising issues that otherwise would be totally ignored by Melinda Katz. But um, I, I, I wish it were competitive. If we lived in a place where they had nonpartisan elections, which I wish we did, it might be competitive. If you were voting based on uh, people's qualifications and their ideas, Grasso would win going away, but we don't. We were voting uh, a place that has partisan elections, and as the Democrat incumbent largely free of scandal, except for everything that she's been involved in with Curtis, uh, Melinda Katz <laughs> should be well-positioned to win with over 70% of the vote. Uh, that's a great job, man. Uh, you really are terrific. His show is great, folks. I recommend it highly, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday morning, the other side of midnight. He does a great job with us once a week, too, and he's genuinely, genuinely one of the nicest folks you'll ever meet, my good buddy Frank Morano. Frank, terrific job. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sid. I'm going to see Tony Danza at his Stars of Tomorrow event tonight. I will give him your best. He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I will deliver the message in spades, my friend. I All love right, you. Thanks great for job. having me no, on. I thank you. It. You were great, Frank. Seriously, thank you very much. Great job. All right, we got to uh, Joe Nolan. No, Bill O'Reilly's coming up in about 10 minutes. Oh, big bad Bill O'Reilly. So let's take a break. Then we'll get to Joe Nolan. And then O'Reilly, Thursday edition, Sid and Friends in the morning. Life in a northern town, the Dream Academy. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Happy 60th birthday to Natalie. 
former lead singer of 10,000 Maniacs. She's good, man. She's good. Play some of this old bit, you Get Richie Rodabella all hot and bothered. Hey, now. <laughs> you know, you're not going to get that from uh, Craig Eaton or Red Cox at 5 o'clock. Now I are you? Are you doing, uh, bo- are no. you doing both shows today? What's that? Are you doing a job show again later, too? No, I'm not working a double. Oh, just, really? Just... Just working with you. Dude. So who's going to uh, do John's show? Because you're uh, really good. I believe. Well, thank you. I believe Matt Meany will be here to oh, cover okay. that. Okay. Because yeah, that show's a great show, too. they got a lot of guests, and that's a lot of work, that one-hour show. A yeah. lot. A lot of work. So, uh, But Meany's good. Meany's solid. So, But you're uh, you're excellent. Thank you for the well, great you. job you've done so far today. Thank you very much. I guess uh, Boomer and Geo didn't win yesterday, huh? <laughs> they were up against, you know, Hickory Dickory Doc and... Uh, <laughs> Ah, whatever. I like those guys. It's shocking. I can't believe it. <laughs> I have my money on them. I guess FAN got shut out. But what are you going to do? Is what it is, right? These award things, you just don't know. You just don't know, do you? And who the hell am I to talk? I wasn't even nominated. <laughs> oh, but you wanted to be. Well, I mean, they shouldn't even have these dinners. They should just come on and just drop it off. <laughs> I don't need dinner. I don't need anything. Just come into the studio, drop off my Marconi, and call it a day. Oh, God, I've got flashbacks right now. You know I'm going to win one eventually, and that's going to be the worst day of your life. The worst. Why would it be the worst Because day you hate life? it when, when that, for example, yesterday, if folks don't know this, go to my Instagram right now. At Rosenberg.Sydney, Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, Facebook Sid Rosenberg, Twitter Sid Rosenberg. Danielle gave me an envelope in the mail yesterday, big envelope. And all it said was DJT with a Palm Beach address. And uh, she's like, I think you got something from Trump. I go, what are you talking? Trump, he's in court with Michael Cohen. He's busy. No, here it is. I open it up. And the topics that Justin Ellick sent to Trump a month ago, for his last appearance, it's that sheet of paper. It actually read Sid Rosenberg New York Radio interview topics. And it goes on to list everything from, you know, potential lawsuits to the uh, end of Title 42 to the border to Biden, DeSantis, China, Russia, Ukraine, all of it. And then uh, on this piece of paper inside this envelope was also the phone number that he had to call, you know, the hotline. And then... Something that he wrote to me, which read, Sid, you are great, number one, with his iconic signature. Came in the mail yesterday. Straight from Trump's office with one of his cards in gold lettering that read from the office of Donald J. Trump. And uh, you hated every second of that conversation just now. You don't like it when Kelly Ripper says I'm the best ever, or when Mike Savage says I'm the best ever, or Bill O'Reilly at this point. He can't even argue it. No, I don't. I just wait. For the results, that's what it is. Well, what results do you need? The, the ratings? What do you want? No, it's, yeah. the, it's watching your reaction. That's I don't do much. What? Uh, no? Okay. Oh, well, if, let me ask you if something. I, if, if the president if of the you, United States, former or current, you, sent them to your house. You didn't mention that, but you mentioned the other two just now. You yeah. didn't say the president. I was in awe of that as well. You were, okay. Yes, I yeah. went, okay. Does this? I, I, I mean, this guy's having the worst week of his life. He's got Georgia that's about to kill the poor bastard. Crazy, He's right? in court with Michael Cohen, and he and he finds time to sign this and send it to me from Florida this week. Or maybe he sent it a while ago, and it just got. No, me. I spoke to Margot Morton, another great Margot, like Cats Matides, and um, it was uh, just a couple days ago. Okay, good. So I'm on his mind even now. 
It's, it is crazy. He's if he goes through your your garbage soon, you'll you have to <laughs> you have a problem. But uh, he does love you. That's no question about that. There's no question about yes. it. Of course not. Well, now you got. That, well, now like I've got I, proof. Like sure. I said, that's going up on your wall over your wedding. Yes, picture. it is. Yeah. So it's going to be the first thing everybody sees. What about on the ceiling, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. This is like porn for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the reaction. Uh, <laughs> that's what you're looking for. I love it, yeah. That's so arousing. Yeah, right. Donald Trump sent me a letter. What are you talking about? Oh, Donnie, yeah, baby. <laughs> Give it to me, oh, Donald. Donnie. <laughs> Donnie. Uh, Can I see that signature all over the wall? So, of course, I took a picture, but I, I, no, I sent it to John Katzmatidis right away, and John's response was great. John's good like that. you know. He, see, unlike you, Lou, when uh, oh, important people say wonderful things about me or send things like this, John is always very happy for me, as is Chad Margo. <laughs> you act like you are, but there's a part of you. That hates every second of it. That's I don't know what it is. One hundred percent inaccurate. Well, let me ask Rich Rod about it. Rich, you think I'm inaccurate? Uh, I don't know Lou all that uh, well enough to. Uh... God, you're such a to comment. And here's another one. <laughs> I love Lou, though. <laughs> I love Lou. <laughs> Known him a long time. Yes, he's But me. what are you trying to say? He's a hater. Is that what you're well, trying to say? I mean, it's not. It's not is him. It, it, it's, it's this country in general. We hate everybody. That's why this guy goes yes. out last night with an AR-15 yes. and shoots kids at a bowling alley. Yes. I mean, what, what is going on with our society? Seriously, what's going on? Yeah, you're right. Rich, Everybody's too angry. We want answers, Rich. i got to talk to O'Reilly. He's like my shrink, too, these days. He's got Because say what you want about Bill O'Reilly. Man's got a lot of answers. I'm dead serious. He's, he's brilliant. We know that already. We'll be on stage together tomorrow night, which I'm actually a little nervous now. Just got a little nervous today. God forbid what you get from you? him tomorrow. Yeah, even me. Ah. Yeah. You know, I'm speaking to a million people right now. It doesn't matter. I don't see him, but standing in front of 1,200 people tomorrow with next, my pants down. Next to Bill. Yeah. Yeah. This the whole second half, I'm going to be half naked. Did you know that? Why is that? You're supposed to think of them as naked. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right. That's the, Isn't that the stage fright trick? Just think of Bill <laughs> think of, as naked think of them naked. Yeah. Right, listen, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Nolan's got traffic. Then we will talk to the man himself, the great Bill O'Reilly. Right here Sid, you forgot my pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great song, Boston. Bill O'Reilly did uh, some of his collegiate career at Boston University. I'm going to keep Bill till 05. I can't rush Bill off at the top of the hour. i got to get 15 minutes with Bill today because all the news on our big show tomorrow night. So, Bill, do not rush off at the top of the hour. You're going right through to 05. Bill O'Reilly, of course, was the best, still is the best, will always be the best. He's, whether it's here, 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC, or his own great website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews and columns and TV shows, killing series. And, of course, coming up tomorrow night, live from the Paramount Theater, sold out, Huntington, Long Island, a New York state of mind, starring Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg. I got to you late, but you get to stay for the, final, for the uh, full 15. Good morning, Bill. How are you? Um, uh, okay, Sid, I was just worried about that you might have gotten beat up by Curtis uh, <laughs> yeah. in that break. It wouldn't be the Curtis, but it would certainly be uh, these pro-Palestinians because, you know, while everybody measures their words, and that's okay, I think part of my appeal is that I just don't, and I do not see this as a two-side issue. I don't care 
Uh, I don't want to see innocent people get beaten up and hurt or killed, but this is a one-side issue. One side attacked my people without warning in the most vicious manner, and now it's war. And um, so there's a chance I could walk outside and a pro-Palestinian can can attack me, but I would tell them this. They need to have a weapon or they're in for a long day. I promise you that. Yeah, they before they attack you, they should follow you to the gym. <laughs> okay? Say, look, all right, you want to beat me up? First, just let me show you the workout that I do every day. Right. right come on in and, and, and that. But look, there is, there is no two sides to the story that we are covering now. There may be two sides to the story of how to regulate the territory, Palestinian, uh, the Holy Land. Okay, there, that certainly you can debate it, but not now. And it's, I'm a simple man, you know that. After 9-11, most Americans, 95% of them, understood that you can't let this stand. It's the same thing. And that's it. Then the conversation ends. So if they want to run around with the signs and justify uh, mass murder, you want to do that, you're a Nazi. That's who you are because that's what the Nazis did. If you know, if you read Killing the SS, <clears throat> one of my – obviously in one of my books in the series, if you read that book, it doesn't matter whether you're a Palestinian or you're Chinese or you're Argentine. It doesn't matter. This is what happened, okay? And so we had to annihilate, and I use that word literally, the government that perpetrated that. We annihilated them as we annihilated the Japanese, who committed unbelievable wartime crimes in China, which were really never reported to the world. So now we have the same thing. Now, that is a fact, and so that just takes away all the debate. Then it becomes, how does Israel conduct the war? How do you do that? And there I would take the United States model, and then we go into Killing the Killers, another book I wrote. We dismantled al-Qaeda and ISIS. Here's how we did it. And we were threatened by Iran, exactly what is happening now. Iran's threatening the United States and Israel. Well, after we whack Soleimani, and we take you through that step-by-step step in killing the killers, okay, they did the same thing. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. They did bupkis because Iran cannot defend itself from the air. And you can take out their oil fields and their ports, destroying pretty much the infrastructure of their country. Everybody knows this. You don't want it to get to there. You don't want that. So if I'm advising Netanyahu and the, and the Israeli military, I would say you have to right the wrong and you have to prevent it from happening again, but you have to do it surgically. And I think that's what they're going to do. I pray that's what they're going to do. Well, that's what they're doing already. I mean, let's be honest, Bill. This ground incursion has been ready for the better part of two weeks, and they're waiting. Now, it could be a a multitude of reasons why, Uh, getting more intelligence as to where the hostages are and how many are really alive. That's the likely reason. Well, well, the other one one is that Biden, for some reason, and I don't know why, but for some reason Netanyahu listens to Biden, and Biden says, slow down, he slows down. No, but... Netanyahu doesn't listen to Biden. You don't think so? No. Netanyahu needs the money and the the U.S. intel. So he's not going to insult Biden. 
Um, but you think Biden has any influence over Netanyahu's and I, military and I, strategy? And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And right. I do. And it's part of the reason why I think America needs to get more involved from a military standpoint. Because if this was just Israelis killed and taken hostage, that would be one thing. Let me remind folks who aren't paying attention. Twenty Americans were killed, and they have at least ten Americans as hostages. Yeah, guess what? I think it was 27. Not, yeah, so guess what? This is now America's War Two. Correct. And America is participating in the war by intelligence, by moving the carriers in to block any kind of aid to Hamas through the Mediterranean. We are participating. We're not going to put ground troops in there, and we shouldn't. Um, Israel is perfectly capable of dismantling Hamas. But what I want to see is Israel do it in a way that doesn't hurt Israel. Because you know and I know, just that PBS reporter yesterday at the uh, Biden-Australian press conference, the first thing out of her mouth was, oh, what about the, uh, the civilian casualties? Did you see that? What about the civilian casualties in, in uh, Gaza? First thing. Um, and, you know, Biden had actually good answer. I don't really believe the data that Hamas puts out. And then, and then he moved along. I was actually surprised that he, that he was that quick on his feet because he's usually not. Right. But anyway, um, this is a, a ultra, ultra difficult situation. It's guerrilla warfare urban setting, but it can go Israel's way. But I think Israel is being smart by being patient. Fair enough. So what you talked about at this uh, press conference yesterday, all too predictable. Some of us thought it may take a little longer for everybody to turn on the Jews. It didn't take very long at all. I'm not talking about stupid kids on college campuses. I'm talking about from the media to politicians. No, the, the worst. The worst. And Jewish people, too. So, but, but i tell you what else is predictable, Bill. I came to work this morning, and MSNBC is on. I beg him to shut it off. They don't listen to me. It's on, and you've got this guy, Robert Card, who's still missing in Lewiston, Maine, who went into a bowling alley in a bar last night and killed a whole bunch of people. And my fear is, when they start telling you specifics, that bowling alley, there was a birthday party, little kids. This yeah. is going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. And what was MSNBC talking about this morning? Just as predictable as people turning on the Jews, gun control. I of mean, course. These Democrats don't stop. Rigor mortis hasn't even set in Bill O'Reilly. They're never going to stop. All right? So, but this is how insane it is. Maine is an outdoor state. Very few people live there. It's a big state if you look at the map. And people need self-protection in Maine because the counties cannot protect them. They're too big. So that Maine is a gun state. You can get a, a firearm there to protect you and your family. Does that make sense to everybody? Because there's nobody sense else going to protect you. Right. It's a rural state. Okay. So the progressive left wants to ban all guns in the hands of private citizens. All. That's their goal. You always have to know what the end game is. They're never going to do that because of the founding fathers and the Second Amendment. That will never happen in this country. That's what they want. But these kinds of stories crop up now every three or four months. There's no solution to the story. None. Banning guns is not going to stop mentally ill people from murdering innocents in this country. Thank you for saying that. It's not 
And of not. there are 300 million guns now in America. Now, the progressive left would confiscate. They would kick your door in. Go to your home and take your gun if they could. Because the progressive left is a totalitarian society. The first thing the Third Reich did when it took over in 1933 was ban all guns. The first thing that Stalin did when he achieved power in Russia was to say, if you have a gun, that's a capital offense. We're going to shoot you in the back of the head, which he did. The first thing Mao Zedong did in 1949 was kill everybody who took opium, shot them down. And anybody who had a gun in their dwelling was shot down along with them. <laughs> did you know any of that? Well, uh, the killing series tells you all of that, which right. is fascinating. And, and if you didn't know it, it's, it's an eye-opener. Wow. And the reason, but this is important for New Yorkers in particular, because this, is a, this state and city would ban all guns if they could. The reason the Second Amendment is in there is for self-protection. If you take the subway, the police cannot protect you on the subway. Now, you can't carry on the subway. You can't unless you've got a special license. But if you're sitting in your home and there's a home invasion by five guys who want to steal everything you have, how are you going to stop that? You can't. And I was saying yesterday, boy, I really wish a lot of those young people and those kibbutzes in Israel had AR-15s when Hamas showed up. And on a serious note, what aggravates me is every time there's one of these stories, and it's awful. It's an awful story. I know why they would cover it. But they cover it, you know, for days and weeks and months. You know what they're not covering today? The 15 examples of law-abiding citizens who actually saved their lives last night when somebody did intrude their home and they used their legal gun so their daughter wasn't raped and their father wasn't murdered. They don't cover those. So Why make, would they cover that? Well, that's the point. The right. media, it goes the, against their narrative. Right, so they make it seem like every gun owner <laughs> is out so, to kill us. It's so ridiculous. You know, when I, I don't know any of these college kids uh, who are doing this stuff and running around. And I, I understand the hardcore Arab um, lobby. I got that. But I don't understand these colleges because they could never stand up to a guy like me or or you in a debate. Um, you know, you, 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 know you, stop you, you almost said like me or even you. you, you no, 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 no. <laughs> and that brings me to the last point. So I want to prepare you for tomorrow night. Okay. I want to prepare Rosenberg for what he's facing. Yeah. Now, it's not a Hamas invasion, but it's an O'Reilly invasion. <laughs> it was just close. Right. So we're going to go on. I'm going to go up first, and I got a whole bunch of things planned. But there's, there, it's basically about, and, and I think everybody's going to find this interesting, and not only the people in the theater, um, but also we'll discuss it probably next week. I'll come on early if you want me next week. Oh, we got to do it on Monday and a Thursday next week. This is about values. And you hear that word all over the place, values, 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 values. But I'm going to cut through the BS here, and I'm going to say this is how I was raised in Levittown. These are my parents. This is what my parents did. This is my school, St. Bridges. This is what the Terra nuns did, okay? <laughs> that tooth rock. And this was my neighborhood, okay? And this is in 1955, beginning in 1955, and extending all the way to the present day. 
Here was the value system, and here it is now. And here's how it's changed and why. Now, then you come out, and you're, you pick it up a little bit later in a more urban setting, Brooklyn. Okay, this is my parents. This is what I, my our value system was in the house. This is why it happened. And we'll do it with humor. I mean, how can I not? I mean, my upbringing was unbelievably chaotic. There were like 5,000 kids on the street of Levittown racing around. <laughs> I mean, it was insane, and none of them took showers. It was not good, okay? So, I, and the reason I'm putting the show on and it's called The New York State of Mind is because my life and your life reflect everybody's life here in this city. And, and when the, the audience starts to hear the stories about, you know, you come home after school, and here's mom, and their mom is not in a good mood. And you know, it's funny, of but there, there's a thread of responsibility, and it all blew up in the early 1970s. And now, 36% of Ameri of New York City school children are truant. Thirty-six percent. Why did it blow up? Why did it blow up? Drugs? Well, or? that's what we're going to get into. Okay, I can't all wait. Right? I, I can't mean, wait. I, I don't want to give it all away now. All right. But it's a narrative that's hilarious because we in New York, in my opinion, I've been to every, I've been to all fifty states, eighty-four countries. We have the most intense society here. There's so much going on here. It's not like. Lewiston, Maine, which is so shocking that this could happen in Lewiston, Maine, but there are insane people everywhere. And I use that word insane literally. They're insane. And so there's so many threads that come into uh, a New York state of mind. And then when people hear their own experience reflected by me and you, and then you and I are going to answer questions from the audience, written questions, awesome. which should be you know, totally out of control. I do have state troopers standing by in this, oh, in this whole thing. Because it could rapidly get out of control. Um, and, uh, you know, there are certain people we're not going to, you know, are going to be arrested immediately when they go into the lobby. We're not letting them in. It's going to be great. I got, I have uh, so many people. You know, I actually had somebody, I swear to God, I was, uh, I went to the ear doctor yesterday because I'm at that age. I got hearing aids. You don't see them, and, and I'm, you know, I'm very insecure about it, so I, I stick them all the way in my ear. But I get off the train yesterday. It's unbelievable, Bill. I get off the train yesterday by Wall Street to take the ferry home, and I see this lovely couple, and they say, I listen to you every day, and I can't wait to meet you and O'Reilly on Friday night, just a random two people on the streets of Wall Street two days before this event. That's how excited New York yeah, is about O'Reilly Rosenberg. It's a big show. The yeah. boys, the Doyle boys who run the uh, Paramount Theater in Huntington, they're good guys, which is really why I'm doing this. I mean, at that venue, I've, I've known them for years. Um, the buzz is incredible. Um, and it's just going to be uh, two hours and 15 minutes of good Humor, but with a serious undertone. Um, so anyway, we're looking forward to it, and um, I think there's a few house seats left. It's sold out, but the theater holds back seats, you know, for uh, certain reasons. I think there are a few house seats left, so give the Paramount Theater in Huntington a call if you want to see us. Bill, I love you. I'm uh, I'm honored. I'm humbled. Uh, I really am. I mean, not that even no, pick no, me. No, no, no. 
Come on, you're yeah. going to be the star of the show. I'll just set you <laughs> okay, up. You get out of here. <laughs> I, I can't wait. And uh, all my friends and family and certainly all of our listeners and your fans are excited. Going to be a great night. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, no, no. We all need some laughs. Yep. Particularly, we, we need some humor. Uh, we need to have a good time. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow, 8 p.m., Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island. He's the absolute best, folks. Nobody better. And I have stats that can prove it. I don't just say Bill O'Reilly's the best. You look at the ratings for, and we actually have ratings for every segment, every day of every show. Nothing comes close to Riley, O'Reilly, and Rosenberg. Check us out tomorrow night, folks, at the Paramount Theater, Huntington, Long Island. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour. Thank you, Bill O'Reilly, Sid Rosenberg, on a Thursday. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The 10,000 Maniacs, these are days. Today, Natalie celebrating her 60th birthday. I'll always love Natalie Merchant. Boy, it's been a, uh, a heck of a show so far today. <laughs> like, like I said that every day, but it is what it is. Judge George Grasso, Curtis Sliwa, Pauline Fulmer, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Frank Morano, Bill O'Reilly, and we got a couple of great guests this hour, including this young lady sitting right in front of me who was actually honored. This is a, a tremendous honor. In fact, I have to tell you, now that I think about it, given the choice of winning a Marconi last night, which I should have, but that's fine, it'll come, or what she went and got, I may take what she got. I mean that sincerely. You know Elizabeth Pivko, she's on the show all the time. She's, you know, she's model, beautiful, the whole thing. But she's uh, pro-Israel, and uh, she lives down there in uh, Trump uh, land. You know Donnie a little bit. But last night she was in New York at a big event in Soho where they honored this, um, how do you say it, Algaminer? Yes, the Algaminer, uh, top 100 people positively influencing Jewish life list. But not all Jews. No, not well, all Jews. Just people. Have to be Jewish. I happen to be People Jewish. who are pro-Israel. Yeah, positively influencing our lives around the world. And, and, um, You've been honored. This is an unbelievable thing. I know your dad was with you last yes. night. How great is that? <laughs> my dad was my date. Couldn't have asked for a better date, Well, obviously. he was your date, but you were hanging out with Dean Cain to love. Uh, with my dad. Oh, with your dad. Yeah, right. yeah, don't yeah. worry. Is he still handsome? Superman? Yeah. He's always handsome. He's always handsome. He went to Princeton. <laughs> he's on Fox News all the time. I know he's a very pro-Israel guy. He is. He is. In fact, I think uh, another Princeton grad, flash dancer, uh, Jennifer Beals, mm-hmm. I think she's Jewish. That makes sense. That makes sense. So tell me about this. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. As a Jewish boy myself, and you know how adamant I am about this particular conflict of in course. war. A big, big pro-Israel voice, and at this point, sick and tired of hearing about what the Palestinians are going through. I couldn't give a rat's ass, and I mean that. If it sounds insensitive, so what? 
Tell me what your night uh, was like last night. A lot of tears. A lot of tears. Two seconds of happy tears. I will say that I was very excited. Um, but we had speeches from, obviously, Dean Cain, Natan Sharansky, a lot of amazing people. But then also, you know, someone who survived the concert that was attacked in Israel. I saw her on Fox News yesterday, 19 years old, very attractive young lady. Mm-hmm. And she did make it out of that musical she festival. She did. She did. So I cried hearing her speak. And they've had... got, I believe they've got two hostages from there right now. That girl, Mia Shem, mm-hmm. we yep. saw the video. Yep. She's from there. Yeah. And uh, we keep seeing on television... Goldberg, Rachel Goldberg, and her son Hirsch, who got his arm blown off. She's not even sure if he bled to death that night, but she seems to think he's alive. Now we're going on almost three weeks. So those two kids, at the very least, were grabbed from that. She did survive, this girl. So she she was there in person. She was. She spoke last night, as well as someone whose brother-in-law is currently also held hostage. So uh, a lot of emotions. Now, wasn't Netanyahu honored also? He he was. He's on the list with yours truly, of course. That's unbelievable. (laughs) Did they have a video speech? Now you're kind of busy these days, let's be honest. Yeah, Sharansky was the headliner. Basically, he flew in from Israel, did the event, and then flew back right after. So so. you were crying, and I would have cried, too. I mean, yeah. I don't, it doesn't take much for me to cry anyway, but this is a legitimately huge honor. Thank you. Your father must have been a mess. No? <laughs> he, he's less emotional than me, but I think he was happy. He I was. was happy he was there. I could just imagine, I'm looking at you going, if my daughter Ava, who's an amazing kid, mind you, amazing, and she's ultimately very capable of doing all this stuff. She told me last night, Daddy, I think I want to be a politician. And um, she's come around just a little. She was Trump all the way as a little girl. It was amazing. She loved him. And uh, all the way on the right. Then we moved her to New York City. She was contaminated by the public school system. And she went all the way to the left. Now my daughter is centering, which is good. And she said, I want to be a politician. And I said, and, and Danielle said the same thing, you know, her mom. Whatever you want to do, we're there for you. And then we ended up fighting uh, for the next 15 <laughs> minutes. Now, what do you think about this? I'm like, no, 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 Ava, no. But I know the um, the joy, the nachis that comes from that, so. Look at you. Is this is this uh, for you? The you've been on on the, ma- the covers of magazines as a model. You nearly made the Olympics as a figure skater. Uh, your best friend is Larry Trump. I mean, you, you've done some pretty big things. Is this the biggest it gets for you? Uh, probably the most meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of moments where you know that my grandfather is in the room with me. Like genuinely, you could just feel it, and that was one of the moments. So I'll never forget that. When did you lose your grandfather? Um, seven years ago. Seven years. Yeah, and, six, but, six years. And now, was that your grandmother that you see when you come to New York once in a while? Is she down in Florida? She's in Soho. She's actually. in Soho. This is my mom's parents. Oh, yes. so she was right by the event last night, your grandmother. I think she might be staying with family to avoid the danger of Soho. I hear you. <laughs> it is dangerous. <laughs> so last time you were here, uh, it was last week, in fact. It was. And we <laughs> talked about the, the war in Israel. And I know how you feel, but some people may not have heard you last week. So as a person who just last night was honored as one of the 100 most influential Jewish voices in the country, in the world, what are your thoughts as we uh, start to head towards uh, week three of this? Right. I have a lot of thoughts. How much time do we have? you got about five minutes. It's a lot uh, of time. No, I mean, I'm all over the place like we all are. I think hopefully I'm all cried out the first week or two. We talked about this. You can't watch the clips that we saw coming out of Israel and not just cry hysterically. Spent a lot of time, you know, throwing up and shaking and the whole nine. It was still is. I hope it's the worst thing I'll ever see in my lifetime. Unfortunately, I didn't think I'd ever see anything this bad. Um, The video of the pregnant woman. Oh, please. I mean, that is burned into my brain the day I die. The folks that don't know what she's talking about. uh, If you remember Sharon Tate, 
what the Charles Manson family did to Sharon Tate back in Hollywood in 1969, where they basically carved the baby out with knives and killed the mother and the child. That's uh, what you're talking about, that video, what happened. Yeah, I mean, hearing her screams. Yeah, I think the rest of the screaming, yeah. hearing kids being taken off, you know, hostage screaming for their parents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is burned into my brain forever. Um, obviously, the worst thing that I've ever seen that really could happen to the Jewish people. This is up there. At the same time, it only makes me prouder to be Jewish. It will stick with me forever. Now I have more things to tell my kids that I witnessed well, I'm, I'm, I'm in my lifetime. I'm glad you said that because Norm had a story earlier where he um, he was playing interviews with some in, uh, people at Columbia University. And they're Jewish and they're scared. And they talked about taking off their kippahs. And I said, no, no, no. Listen to Liz Pipko. Listen to me. We've never been more proud to be Jewish. Never. Don't take off your yarmulkes. Don't take off your tzitzis. Don't welcome confrontation. But if it comes, damn it, you're Jewish. Stick up for yourself. Don't let these animals win. You take off your kippah. To them, that that symbol right. may be bigger than killing somebody. Don't do that. Right. No, that, that that's what I'll say. Look, my grandfather used to tell me back in the Soviet Union how he and his father would go to synagogue, you know, high holidays and Fridays, and they would, you know, go very carefully. They'd leave their wives at home to avoid, you know, being beaten because they knew that that was an option every single time, and they'd go because it was important to them. I refuse to live a life in America that is more fearful than they were back in the Soviet Union. My parents did not risk everything for me to come here and be more afraid to go to shul than my grandfather was back in the Soviet Union. That's not going to happen in my life. Is there a difference when you're back home in uh, wherever you are, Palm Beach, Boynton, I don't know, you know some fancy place, <laughs> um, and here in New York City, uh, as a Jew, do you feel like you're closer to it here? I do. You do? Much uh, closer. Is that because of all the anti-rallies, the pro-rallies? It's just I can't imagine there's a lot going on in Boca today. I can't. There's, here it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right. I think Miami is obviously pretty pretty Jewish. Well, they have a lot of uh, beautiful yeah. synagogues down Fort there. Fort Lauderdale yes. had some very nasty anti-Israel rallies. Yes. We also have... Las Olas. Uh, right. We also have this Nazi group that goes around the state in Florida. They did it way before the war started, but they are proudly waving their swastikas, and they go around, and that's terrifying. Are they KKK? I believe they are. Right. Yeah. So you know, you still have Confederate flags, like in places like Dayton. Yeah, so. but these aren't. <laughs> these are just flags with swastika. It's just right. Nazi Jeez. flags. So yeah. no, I think the whole country is very strange. No matter where you are, and I will never take for granted growing up in New York City. Truly, as a little kid, being dumb enough to think ninety percent of the population was Jewish. Right. That's all I knew. Right. So now here, it, it feels very different. It always will. How badly do we need Trump to win? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look that. It's so sad that we have to talk politics when this many people were slaughtered, but it's also so sad that people are still deciding to argue politics when this many people were slaughtered. Donald Trump kept us safe, and that's truly all that matters. I don't think anyone in Israel will ever argue politics like they were doing right before October 7th ever again because we've had the craziest wake-up call ever. At this point, it's just about voting for the person that keeps you safe. That's it. Not just keeps you safe. Let me remind uh, my Jewish relatives, I've got a bunch, and friends and family, who hate Donald Trump, you morons. He recognized the Golan Heights as a part of Israel. Six presidents before him promised they'd move the embassy to Jerusalem. Who's the only one to do it? Donald Trump. The Abraham Accords, where Israel and Saudi Arabia were about to become friendly. Impossible. Who did it? Donald Trump. When Obama was sending pallets of cash, pallets, his very last night of his presidency, to the Palestinians, to Hamas. 
Donald Trump stopped sending them any money at all. So above and beyond the fact he kept us safe, why would any sane Jewish person who has any respect for our religion hate Donald Trump? Tell me. I, I wish I had the answers. I remember debating the Taylor Force Act with people. I remember Donald Trump put that in. That's It was named after, I believe, an American who went to Israel and was murdered. And Donald Trump stopped the payments that were being given out over in the Palestinian Authority to those that murder, you know, Israelis and get paid for it. Right. I never understood why people could support the administration that supports that overseas. Never understood why people didn't understand how brilliant and amazing we should, I mean, how grateful we should all be to Donald Trump putting an end to that and not even, you know, thinking twice about it. There's basic things that we should be able to debate without bringing up Donald Trump's personality. It's that simple. And the fact that people can't is terrifying. Unfortunately, the wake-up call that we just saw in Israel, I hope to God we don't have to see the same thing here for people to wake up. But I think as Jews, if that wasn't enough for you, I don't know what will be. I am truly scarred for life. But if anything, my eyes are wide, wide open. I think you said it best. I think I'm scarred, too. I've had a really tough, uh, tough three weeks. I have. Uh, but, yeah, my eyes are open now, too. And uh, Danielle and I and Gabriel went to Temple on Friday night. She actually joined the Temple. We had Shabbat dinner. Hey. Shabbat dinner. I, mean, I said to, my, to Danielle, I said, we're sitting around this cute little temple in the Ponset. And we've got this great rabbi, this uh, cute young girl, Rebecca Epstein, nice girl. And um, we're, all, we're singing, you know, Shabbat songs. And, and I said, you know, D, last, uh, last Friday night, the night before the massacre, they were doing the same thing at the kibbutz. And the next morning, they had their baby's heads cut off. Yep. This Saturday is challah making at the shul. And we're going back for that. I keep saying the Hamas, they didn't, they, they, they did score me, like you said. But man, they brought out the effing Jew in me. Yeah. The amount of people who have asked me what to do on Shabbat, what to say when they light candles, how to bake challah, what shul to go to, what to wear when they go, all these things that I haven't heard from people that I didn't expect you know, to see in my lifetime, a lot of people that I thought had turned away yeah. from the religion. I am proud to welcome them back. I'm proud to light candles with more women, I think, than ever in my lifetime around the world. Um, I could cry thinking about it. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. I am, again, scarred for life. I'm traumatized. It will never escape my brain, but I'm also more proud to be Jewish than I ever have been. And I'm proud to be your friend. And congratulations on this honor last night. Thank so you. well deserved. Thank and you. You actually do keep kosher. You're observant. You have been... Uh, your whole life, and a lot of that is just you, which is really beautiful. So you deserve to be on this list. So congratulations. Have a safe trip home, Thank although you. this is home. This is Have home. a safe trip back to Florida, and uh, we'll see you here next week, all right? Thank you. Good to see you. Stick around, by the way, because the guys from Gravesend are coming in. That's Liz Pipko. We're going to talk to the father-son combination. That was great. Of William and Chris DeMeo and Peter Gordio, season three. We're going to be in Miami, baby, to shoot season three. It's coming up real soon. The radical departure from death in Maine and death in Israel. We'll talk some Hollywood with my boys coming up next. Sid and friends in the morning. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
many serious guests on this show today from Judge George Grasso, once again running for DA in Queens against Curtis's ex-wife, Melinda Katz. Curtis Sliwa was here today, as he is every weekday. Pauline Fromer, Judge Andrew Napolitano, the judge is always great on a Thursday. Frank Morano was here. He was terrific. Bill O'Reilly and Lizzie Pipko just made me cry. After her uh, big night last night. One more time before I get to the um, the mob guys. What um, what did you get last night? How were you honored? It's really a beautiful thing. Thank you. Um, I didn't get anything except the honor, I guess. No, um, but you're going to get a, in a plaque at some point. I believe, right? yeah. yeah. Um, it's the top 100 people positively influencing Jewish life, which apparently is Bibi Netanyahu, Helen Mirren, some other amazing people, and yours truly. <laughs> yeah. Bibi Netanyahu, Helen Mirren, Dean Kane, And Liz Pitko. And Liz Pitko. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I'm uh, very happy for you. All right, uh, you guys, uh, wherever I go these days, this is true. Obviously, people love this radio show in huge numbers, huge numbers, huge but uh, the last couple of months, I have to say, that I get stopped by folks who say, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I thought you were great in Gravesend. I go, stop. Sid, I thought you were great. doesn't matter. Uh, the reason why I bring that up is because so many people have actually watched Gravesend. And uh, you look at the numbers on Amazon Prime, and the show has continued to do exceptionally well. And as great as season two was, and I think Willie made a huge jump from season one to season two in terms of quality and, and, and great television. I really do. And now I can say this with the utmost of confidence, that the fans out there are really excited about season three. They really are. I mean, I got to tell you, almost everybody who has seen the show goes, boy, season two was so good. Please tell me it's not over. And I go, well, it is over. Because the actors are on strike. And they go, forever? And I go, yes, that's it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I go, no, they're going to fix it. In fact, they're going to meet today somewhere in Hollywood and try to work this thing out. But uh, people are genuinely excited about season three. So let me congratulate you first, William. Writer, creator, director, star, brainchild, does it all on an unbelievable season. I think you knew it was good. We had many conversations even here on radio about it. I don't know if you knew it would be as popular as it turned out to be. I certainly didn't. And that really makes for very exciting prospects for season three. So congrats. Thank you, Sid. Thank you so much. When we launched the first day, we were you know, closer. Yeah. all four of us were here on the first day when the show came out. And uh, from that day on to now, it's it's just been catapulting. And uh, like you say, I, I mean... Everywhere I go, people ask me when to see everywhere. I could be anywhere and people are like, when are we, when are you guys starting again? When yeah. are you doing, when, yeah. when are we going back? My closest cousin is a guy named Michael Robbins of all my cousins. And he lives in Boca. He's a, a, uh, a broker. Him and his father, Norman Robbins, actually do a radio show together. I know Lizzie shook your head. It's a stock uh, show. It's on one o'clock every afternoon. You know who they are? Okay. So Mike is my, uh, my closest cousin. And he sent me a picture last night, I swear to you. And it's me and Dice on the tennis court. And he sends a caption that goes, not bad, cuz. And I said, you watched it. He said, I watched it. I loved it. I binge watched it. And he's a tough critic, my cousin Mike. So just yesterday, now you're talking, this has been out now for what, almost four months? Just yesterday, my cousin watched it. People have watched it more than once. And it starts... 
with my dear friend right here, Peter Gordio, tough guy, <laughs> coming out of a car with uh, Chris Momondo, and then you did something that was not very nice, Peter. It was not very nice. But I got to tell you, you are so great in that role. And somebody once said to me, a very smart man, that three guys in particular scared the living daylights out of them when they watched the show. Steve Moderano, Sid Rosenberg, which is surreal, and you. You did a great job this season. Thank you, pal. Good morning, and it's an honor to be here. You too. Anything that this gentleman puts out is a winner. His writing is spectacular. His directing is spectacular. And we're just looking forward to this up-and-coming season. And this gentleman will tell you when we're going to launch it and who we have attached to it. I know there's some big names coming up. But I want to get to you too, Christian, because, um, you know, you you had your uh, moments in season one. But in this one, you really become a big star. And the relationship on air uh, with um, with my friend Leo, Leo Rossi, is a great, great uh, one-two punch you guys deliver. And, you know, you see you kind of grow up a little bit. You have some tough scenes, too. The roller skating rink gets some bites and a little bit of a tough guy. But uh, you're able to do this, which is very important. You're able to be that tough guy, but there's a part of you that's very lovable. And there's a part of you that when you watch it, you almost go, I really hope this kid doesn't get into trouble. He's destined for that. I get it. That's his family. But I really hope he doesn't get into trouble. So to be able to balance it, too, between I'll kick your ass, but I've got heart, it's not easy, and you pulled it off in a big way. So congrats. No, I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was amazing working with Leo Rossi. He makes everything a lot yeah. easier. And to have that vulnerable side, you know, I, was, I wasn't in season one, but to be introduced in season two and ha- be able to have an arc, a real arc where you see – where the character is going and to be able to develop that that character i mean it's been amazing and even working with him i seen with him right no you and your father were great and that's that's got to be so cool to be working with your father so i've seen pictures on instagram willie i see uh, mike tyson i see some other folks and uh i know you (laughs) i go this effing willie de mayo like this guy i don't know how he gets to see these people i don't know Mike Tyson never went to Lenny's Pizza in his life, trust me. He never went to John's. He finds these people, and the next thing he's going to say to me, you're not going to believe this, but he's on the show. So I don't know anything. I don't know anything, but I've known Mike for 20 years. And something tells me, knowing you, that he's going to be on the show, and he's not the only one. Am I right? Well, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, you can announce right now Liz Pipko. She's a pretty girl. Beautiful. Thanks, <laughs> Season three, that's your that's your acting debut. She's ready to go. She's done. She's been on the cover of about a hundred magazines, and uh, everything but Vogue, to be honest. Mademoiselle, all of them. We're she's working done. on I, that one too. We're getting Vogue done too, so she's ready to act. So we'll get it done before they leave here today. But go ahead. I'm sorry, well, Mike well, Tyson. Well, to start off, thank you all three of you for the great uh, for the the big compliments, Peter and Sid and Christian. Thank you. Um, so as far as Mike Tyson goes, Mike Tyson was in a movie, a uh, boxing movie that I did called Back in the Day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and, you know, we have history, uh, um, Mike, I think will, will be a, a big asset to season two. So he's going to be on. I, I, I we're, You're pretty we're, sure. Yeah, yeah, um. No, you are. Well, you know, Mike Tyson, uh, I think is, is someone that has a huge fan base. Oh, huge. And, and he's, the one thing about Mike Tyson that I don't think people know is the guy can act. He really can. He was unbelievable in Hangover. 
Yeah. Remember and, that? Yes. Oh, he and, was great in that. And he has a one-man show. Uh, which is very good. Yes, yeah. which he took. You know what? I actually saw him on TV two weeks ago. He was in Law and Order, and he played a prisoner. And he was on for a, a good part of the show. Forget about the Hangover. He's kind of a funny role. Or, yeah. Or his one-man show. He played a dramatic role in Law and Order. I never knew he was even on the show. I said to Danielle, I go, oh, my God. This is like 15 years ago. Mike could act. He can. And then boom, you you hang out yeah, with Mike Tyson. Yeah, so and and he's from Brooklyn. I know. And he and he is a an incredible person. Yeah, he's 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 a very humble. He got set up by that mother effer Don King. He never raped that girl. Get the hell out of here, Desiree Washington. My man got set the f up. Yeah, he's 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 an OG Mike Tyson, and he's very humble and very uh, very cool. But um, we're also talking to Talia Shire. No, you're not. Yes, we Rocky are. sister. Yeah, eight. I mean, wife. I mean, Adrian. She'll be in. Adrian. We'll get it. No, you're not. Stop it. Yes. No, no, no. Come on, stop. And Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz, my yes. buddy Dan and Bianca. Look, you know, you keep shaking your head. I know Liz. who that is. You course. know the, all these people. So you're telling me that um, forget my Tyson, Adrian Balboa is going to be on Gravesend. You have to name her character Adrian. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter. <laughs> She's, she's well. She's in The Godfather too, right? I mean, come, oh, come on! Are you kidding me? She played that scumbag's wife. Yes. yes. What's his name? Uh, uh, Johnny Russo. <laughs> Johnny Russo, who thinks he's like that person in real life. He's a he's a nice guy, but he wrote a book and he's he's out of his mind. Uh, yeah, she's been in some pretty good films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so she she's royalty. Uh, wait, wait, I'm gonna wait. have to quit the show. Yeah, well, you're, I you're, have to quit. No, I have to quit. We. He's unbelievable. I mean, come on, you, bro. You got great stuff coming. <laughs> And, and the thing is, is, you know, adding new talent is great, but the talent we already have, people want to see that storyline grow. And, and I agree with that. And humbly speaking, I cannot tell you how many, you wouldn't even believe the names that have been presented to, to us. I believe it. Like I'm talking about names that you can't even believe people have said would love to be on our show. Yeah. So, um, if he wasn't doing that, uh, dumb Tulsa thing, we could have gotten Sly probably, but he got his own little thing going on there. I know, I get it. So, yeah, um, maybe he'll be in season there's four. Been, <laughs> there's, there's been some other names that yeah. are on the same caliber as Sly that have been presented to us. And, and, yeah. you know, thank God this, this show has grown and there's an, you know, there's also an investment into opportunity for new people that want to come aboard because this thing is catapulting. And if people want to, you know, get involved in, in financially in this as it grows because it's really taken on to a whole other level. How do they do that? How do they contact uh, you? Just, you yeah, yeah, just through our production company or message me through Instagram right. um, or, or the Gravesend series. But we have heavy hitters behind it. Promote, the promotion on it is even going to be, to be um, astronomical. That's that's the the one thing that it needs a little boost in, and that's why it's great to be on shows like this. Is getting more eyes on it because right. the eyes that are on it love it equals to twenty more people. I totally agree. The word of mouth. Marianne from spreading. Brooklyn, who's uh, the big Howard Stern. Uh, you know Marianne from Brooklyn. Everyone knows Marianne from yes, Brooklyn. Yes, of course. She's listening. She listens to me as much as she does Stern. Don't tell anybody. Okay. In case Talia drops out, I'm available. And I grew up on Twenty First Avenue in Bensonhurst. I can play Willie's long lost sister. By the way, Gravesend is a great show. Marianne from Brooklyn. Thank you, Marianne. How about that, huh? 
Thank you so much. That means Marianne. a lot coming from her. Absolutely. Um, is this the season where Peter Gordio gets himself a nice looking gumada? He's dying. <laughs> it's enough already. Maybe Liz Pipko could be his gumada. I don't know. She's gorgeous. Yeah. What do you think? Well, P- Peter has. I mean, I did notice. Uh, here's the thing about Woody DeMaio, okay? Nobody's better than Willie. He's great. He's a great actor, great writer. And anytime there's a sex scene on the show with you, you get all the hot chicks. No one else gets a girl on the show. Nobody else. No. How come? Well, there's people. Even well, the bartender last year. That was a good job out of you. The Cuban bartender. The bartender, yeah. yes. Did yeah, you well, bang on real life, by the way? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> but what do you think? <laughs> no way. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. I know. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a, a, a lot of um, more stuff with that. Stuff and with and that, other yes. people. And, and um, Fran Drescher. Uh, Is you she coming back? Yeah, with Armando Sante, but there's something oh, no, that's gonna that's gonna go really crazy. Yeah. Jimmy Russo coming back? Yes, oh, I'm happy about that. I love James and Chuck Zito, of course, oh, of and course. all the, you know Chuck's our brother, yeah. Bo Deedle. Um, oh, Bo was great last season. Yeah, great. Bo, Bo was the at, pool scene yeah, so is a great. classic. The, the guy in the pool. Scene, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Leo's coming back, right? Leo Rossi. Leo Rossi, Chaz Palminteri. Oh, uh, everyone. Vinny coming back. The story. Vinny passed. I'll tell you who was great too was John Forsyth. I don't know if he's coming back. William Forsythe. William yes. Forsythe. Yes. John Forsythe played Blake Carr in Dynasty. He was Blake Carrington. Yeah. And Tony yeah. Darrow, who we all went to oh, the show last Tony. night. Oh, he was, oh it was last night. I screwed him. I was supposed yeah. to put him back on and promote the show, but. Yeah, but uh, we had a great turnout. With, we yeah. had a great turnout with Tony Darrow. Oh, everyone. Yeah. Martin Cove, Mario Cantone, uh, all of us. Chris Mamando. Uh, wow. And Dice. Dice. You, you're a Dice, buddy. Uh, that's my boy. That's my right, guy. Dice, Dice is the best. He actually stopped me at the big party in uh, Florham Park when, when uh, we had the red carpet premiere and said, he said, good to see you. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's great. The premiere was excellent. Oh, uh, that was a great time. You got, you did a great job with that. Great job. Thank you so much. We have to uh, wrap things up. This has been uh, a tremendous show. You guys have been great. Uh, Peter, you play, for the folks that have not watched Gravesend yet, tell me about your character. And- I play the character of Rocco Giordano. And uh, I just want to say that anything that this gentleman says, you can bank on it. Oh, I agree. I've known him for many, many years. I don't know how he does and it. And everything that he's ever said always came I know. Up. He's like Trump. At 100%. 100%. He's so the Donald Trump of, uh, of, of movies making, and TV. Of, of making pictures. He says it's going to happen. Exactly and, right. you know, there was a time where I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But he, I'm convinced. I'm sold. Whatever. He, he's an amazing guy. Christian, tell folks about your character on the show. Um, so my, I play a character named Sammy Taramino who plays uh, Leo Rossi's nephew. And uh, he's like the young, up-and-coming guy. In season two, and uh, you'll see what happens. You have to tune into season two if you haven't watched it already, and then season three. Going to be great, Willie. Congratulations! You've uh, you become a big star. I mean, you've done uh, amazing work: writing, creating, raising the money, uh, hiring all these actors. You're terrific in the show, obviously, as Benny, Benny, the, the main character. You're an amazing guy. You really are. So Thank you. And Sid, I also got to tell you, whenever I run across any radio personality. With so many of them that I do, your name, you're, you're loved by so many people yourself. Uh, thank bro. You. And you. And, and speaking you. of me being a star, you're a star. Ah, uh, thank you. Jim Carr loves you, too. Yeah, I love Jim Carr. Jim Carr's yeah. great. Elvis Jim. Duran loves you, too. Uh, we're done. Uh, Liz Pipko, thank you, too, for being here today. Congratulations on your big honor last night. William DeMeo, congratulations. Seriously becoming one of the major, major, major stars in this country today. And he doesn't just act, he does it all. Peter Gordio, you know what I think about you. I love you, Christian DeMeo. All of our guests earlier, Lou Rafino, great day. Uh, Rada Belly, Rich Rada Belly, filling in 
for the vacationing, Justin Ellick. Great job, Rich. Thank you so much. Noam Layden, everybody else. We're gone till tomorrow, folks. See you at 6 o'clock on Friday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.